Sonic Fox takes home eSports Player of the Year for the FGC at the Game Awards, but gets awkwardly political during his acceptance speech. Mortal Kombat 11 has been officially revealed, but people can't seem to stop talking about the music choice of all things in the trailer. Street Fighter V adds advertisements directly into the gameplay experience. Catalyst and I go through our first round predictions for Capcom Cup and more. But before all that, we kick things off with a special guest interview with our very own Adaptive Trigger as he helps us tackle the worldwide phenomenon that is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate on this episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Perfect. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Event Hubs Podcast. An interesting, different take today, at least how we're going to start things out. We rarely talk too much about Super Smash Bros, but this week marked the release of Super Smash Bros Ultimate, and as such, we thought it'd be appropriate to bring on our Super Smash Bros expert, Justin Adaptive Gordon, Adaptive Trigger Gordon, something along those lines. Justin, tell everyone your actual name and uh, how you've been liking Smash thus far. Uh, my real name, the one I was born with, is Adaptive Trigger, and my username <laughs> is Justin Gordon. Oh yeah, there we go. I think I got that wrong actually. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, I'm just an adaptive trigger going. Uh, everybody might uh, know me from you know writing all the Smash articles that may or may not be a fighting game. So. <laughs> well, well, let's start with that. Where do you sit on that that hotly debated topic? Is Smash a fighting game? Uh, you know, it's actually funny. Um, I've never actually heard that argument until I joined the Event Hub's crew, and it seems to be like this attempt to make like Smashers feel bad that their game's not a fighting game, or yeah, you know, it seems to be like a trolling attempt, as far as I've I've always noticed. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think like the Smash crowd really cares if they have the title of fighting game. They're kind of too busy. You know, having fun with the game. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. It, it reminds me of like a rocks. Um, this, I guess, meme image I saw once, where you know, these people are playing like a rock band, or, and someone walks up as, uh, walks up to them and say, "Hey, you guys, you know, you're not in a real band, right? Hey, listen to me. Stop having fun." Right. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good on the plastic guitar myself. I, I pride myself on. No, it's, it's a completely <laughs> different thing. Who cares? Uh, Smash is more than welcome, as far as I'm concerned, as part of the fighting game community. And there's no reason to, to put them at arm's length or anything like that. Um, how much fun have you been having with this new Super Smash Bros? I'm sure you, like most of the Smash community, have been losing sleep over it, spending all nights and all free time uh, unlocking characters and getting through World of Light and exploring all that there is to explore with this new title. But how much of uh, what, what kind of experience has it been thus far? Uh, it's been, you know, it, it's almost like it's the dream Smash game, you know, aside from uh, a few very minor nitpicks. I, I guess the funnest thing to me, it's always been about the neutral play of, uh, you know, just how you approach the enemies and um, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate definitely seems like it's, um, you know, compared to the rest of the entries, except maybe 64, it's probably going to be the closest of what we get to uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee in terms of, um, you know, letting the players play aggressively. I hear it's a lot faster. Yes. uh, Most of the game's characters received speed increases and when I say most characters, I actually mean every single character except Ryu, ironically. Uh, <laughs> Ryu is the only character in the game that received a 0% increase for move speed and uh, run speed. But he, he's still technically faster in some other regards, like everybody else, in terms of like landing recovery uh, when you use an aerial and land with it. And just 
basic movement options. Your dash speed is generally a little bit faster, and you know you're able to uh, perform actions a little bit faster. Now, Smash Bros. has always been something that's been uh, as as I begin to explore fighting games. I look at it and I see it's it feels technical. Now that might just be because I'm not used to the kind of commands that Smash has, especially like tilts where you only move the, the stick like half the way over as opposed to the full way over. That seems like a very daunting nuance to me personally. Now on the other side of that coin, you don't have inputs like where quarter circles or, or sure you can dragon punch motions, things like that. It's just over an A or you know stuff along those lines. Um, but how friendly here in 2018 when we're trying to get as many people playing our games as possible how friendly to newcomers is smash ultimate well um i do believe masahiro sakura has always been adamant about trying to make the game easy to pick up but you know still has enough depth for anybody to pick up so one, one thing that might be a little bit uh daunting and it's actually taken me a little bit of practice myself is you know short hopping because Universally, all characters jump squat frames, and that's you know whenever you press the jump button, uh, the amount of time before you get off the ground. So that's been universally shortened to essentially what uh, melee foxes jump squat frames were in um, Super Smash Brothers Melee. So yeah, that means you have to very lightly tap the jump button. That definitely takes some practice for especially newcomers. But even for like someone for me who's probably more used to playing like full frame. Um, jump shot frames that were a little bit longer than that but uh, there's actually like a new mechanic or I guess it's a shortcut macro where you press the uh, jump and attack button um, at the same time and the game will automatically do like a short hop for you and the game is actually filled with um, you know little shortcuts like essentially, that? essentially yes are there wave dashing and, and, and all the, the kind of stuff that people figured out with Melee that were actually kind of like little bits of, of glitches or bugs that actually helped you move or, or perform moves faster? Um, is there a lot of stuff like that in it, or is this kind of the extent of the technicality? Uh, so there is actually wave dashing in Smash Ultimate, but unlike Super Smash Brothers Melee, when you do a wave dash, you know, this is essentially when you're air dodging towards the ground during your jump squat frames. You know, you get the slide. And in melee, um, you're essentially able to act out of it immediately. But in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, there's actually a little bit of a recovery to that. So it's, you know, wave dashing's in the game, but it's useless. But <laughs> Fair enough. But there are some advanced techniques, um, you know, just to name a few examples, like B-reversing. Um, for certain characters, uh, Let's say you're a snake player. That might be mm-hmm. a very important technique for you to, you know, learn to utilize. And that's actually been in since Brawl. So I assume there's something intentional about that, or at the very least, they're leaving it in. Is this going to be the Smash game that unites the melee players with the rest of the, I guess you should say, evolving Smash scene? Is it going to put everyone together under one canopy? And it, and then, I guess the follow up to that is, will this put an end to melee? A lot of the melee players actually have been putting time into this game. I, I think we've all been seeing Leffen doing a lot of experimenting with the game and even created his own tier list, which is among the, uh, I guess, Smash 4 community. They, I guess, think Leffen's kind of crazy because they put Falco as the best character. Um, right. But we're also seeing, like, Armada um, putting time 
you know, he seems like he like legitimately wants to get good with the game and recently retired from Super Smash Bros. Melee. I think I saw Mango playing, so all the top players are at least experimenting with it. But we've also seen this happen before with Smash 4 and Brawl, where a lot of the Melee players were, you know, they were experimenting with the game, but ultimately, um, and no pun intended, uh, they've ended up uh, transitioning back into um, Melee after they've, you know, gotten enough out of the game. Now, but you said this was the closest entry to Melee since Melee, right? Um, it, it, I'd say probably between this and 64, but yeah. And obviously 64 is not a, a runner in, the, in this particular race that we're talking about. So between, I guess you would say brawl wii u and then ultimate ultimate has the best chance of well is the closest to melee out of those three uh 100 yes do you think we're still going to have essentially two smash bros communities moving forward in the competitive scene or are we going to consolidate under one roof and have just the smash ultimate crowd uh there, there will probably be some transition from the melee crowd um i'm sure if nintendo decides to go if they finally decide to go the esports route, then they'll probably bring in a few, you know, probably cast the interest of a few more. But uh, I, I think there will always be players that, you know, want to support Melee. There's always going to be a Melee crowd because, you know, people just love that game. And um, it's not really a love that you can... Honestly, I don't think Nintendo can replace it. Sure, and there's going to always be that nostalgia, but I, I would imagine that it'll eventually go the way of a game like Street Fighter 2, you know, where it's like everyone just like, yeah, I love that game, I'll play it some, but it's not going to be a headliner at a major event just because, you know, it's it's kind of old and, and, and past its time to, to be in the spotlight. But again, that game, I think more than any other title, has held that time in the spotlight in a very unique and particular way. So if anyone's going to not hold to that old kind of... Um, schedule and way of doing things that's the title but um kind of getting back to smash ultimate here specifically uh what do you think of this world of light single player mode because we saw the trailer for it and and the teaser or the trailer just saw almost all the characters die which you don't really expect from smash is more light-hearted and and <laughs> all of a sudden everyone's just like disintegrated with this with the exception of kirby of course um, and, and I personally haven't played through it at all yet, but uh, it looks to be a fairly promising, like almost involved and, and somewhat strangely emotional single player experience out of a Smash title. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, we actually have the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Review going up soon. I was actually the one who did the Word of Light uh, segment. And uh, the way I put it is I feel like it was one of the most polarizing game modes I've ever experienced. Like, uh, most polarizing thing about Smash Bros. I've kind of felt about, mostly because, you know, you get that cutscene, but um, you're not going to get another cutscene to like, 50, you know, until you're about halfway done with the mode. Uh, I, I hate to say this, but the mode is very boring. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's, it drags. Like, I think I, I, I think throughout the course of it, I played like 200 matches, and a lot of the matches just felt like they were repeating. Where, you know, you'd have, you know, so the uh, it's utilizing this uh, new spirits thing, which I think is supposed to be like the replacement for trophies, and you know that's fine. But 
it, it seems to be like it's creating more rules. Like, let's say you're fighting the red Pikmin, um, and you're fighting like a bunch of them. Basically, the rules are the floor is lava, so you have, to, you have to either have a piece of equipment that makes you immune to lava or sand the platforms the whole time. And I use that one specifically because they would use that, they would use those rules um, about a hundred times. I think there's the floor is lava, the floor, now you have to fight with the floor electrified. Now the floor is mm. poisoned. Now the floor is ice. And, so a bit of repetition. Yeah, there's a lot of repetition. But I keep um, saying some negative things here, but there are some fun, there are some high points of World of Light they don't come at the very end and that gets that starts getting into spoiler territory so okay we won't yeah. do too much there but there's something worth sticking around for you're saying i felt like there was something that almost made the experience worth it like there was some really fun throwbacks like i'll just say that um something that you know maybe some smash fans have always wanted to do but now they finally get to do it Ooh, i'm intrigued and i don't even play the game yet. um <laughs> Another part that intrigued me were the newcomers, because in addition to every single freaking character that's ever been on a Smash roster before, and not Waluigi, (laughs) we also had, uh, was it 11 new characters come in for this game? Uh, Off the top of my head, that sounds like it might be right, yes. Sure, so, you know, the likes of Inkling and Ripley, Simon Belmont, what? (laughs) But the one that I was, I think, most interested in, uh, King K. Rule, and I'm hearing that he's actually one of the best characters in the game. Uh, Yeah, so that might actually be a premature uh, opinion, Uh, maybe, because, but it does look like this could be the game where heavies are better than they've ever been before because they are now benefiting from these universal speed mechanics that generally only the very fast characters like Fox and Seek have only experienced. Uh, this is coming from a Ganondorf yeah. <laughs> traditional main, so I'm happy to hear that, although I hear a Ganondorf's not that amazing. Yeah, he's still easy to box out, but this, again, this might be the best version of Ganondorf we've ever had. So, but King K. Rool, um, what have I heard so far? He uses his blunderbuss, and he has a jetpack, and he's a heavy, but he can he can recover very well. Oh, yeah, his recovery is actually pretty insane in terms of the distance. And the best part is he has this um, propeller above his head that um, uh, it almost makes it so it's nearly impossible to spike him. <laughs> so uh, if you want to edgeguard against King K. Rool, uh, you want him from the sides or below him, and even if you're standing on the stage, it's going to it's going to clip you as he's going up if you're not careful. That sounds cheap. Yeah. Well, the the thing about King K. Rool is, um, I think a lot of people are playing the game almost a little bit impatiently, and King K. Rool is um, you know, he's very projectile heavy. He has the crown and the blunderbuss, as you mentioned, and he has all the super armor, but he's still very slow though even though he has like these universal speed mechanics his general movement and airspeed are not the greatest let's just say um, but he is like the second heaviest in the Super Smash Brothers series weight is kind of a double edged sword where it's true that you live longer but you're also going to uh, take more damage from combos and he's also just a really big target so you just want to play patiently against him and essentially have him kill himself we have Sonic Fox, 
apparently en route to the competitive side of Super Smash Bros. Remember, it was a few months back. He and Zero kind of had a little bit of a duel or a little bit of, um, like, I'll see you in Smash once it drops. And that was fairly interesting. Do you think that a player from, I guess, the other side of the pond or so, coming from this, uh, the non-Smash kind of scene, mainly the Injustice and Dragon Ball Fighters in the case of Sonic Fox, has a chance in this game? Or do you think that the Smash community, the Smash um, gods and, and the people like Zero and Nairo and, and such are going to continue to hold it down? Well, I mean, on one hand, Sonic Fox is just this insane player who's very clearly extremely talented. But on the other hand, Zero is also an extremely talented player. So... I think what we might see is, um, you know, something similar to what uh, happened with uh, Sonic Fox and Goichi in Dragon Ball Fighter Z, where, you know, Sonic Fox probably thought he knew how the game was supposed to be played, went up against Goichi, and um, it probably opened his mind a little bit. It's like, okay, maybe I should be doing these things instead. Let me experiment with the game in a different way. You know, so I think the first time that uh, there's a confrontation between the two players, in you know a set, uh, I think Zero is probably going to take it for free because Zero. But you know, next time there might be, you know, I think Sonic Fox might give Zero a run for his money, and I think that will be very interesting to see. Yeah, I think there's been some talk about who the best quote-unquote fighting game player in terms of you know how they understand fighting games. Sure. This is a kind of a class of a titans between these two. Right. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to get to in, in your initial experiences with this game or, or what the community is saying or doing or anything along those lines? So I, I guess I've kind of built this reputation for myself where uh, I'm always complaining about Ryu in Street Fighter V. So sure. uh, I guess um, I guess Nintendo decided to take a cue from Capcom and make Ryu uh, <laughs> not as good in <laughs> I hear he and Ken are really struggling right now. Yes. Um, the first time I sat down with Ryu in training, I was like, you know, it's really early, so I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I have a really bad gut feeling about Ryu. Like, mm. I feel like he might be a bottom five character, but, you know, that's, I know that's crazy to say because it's, it's definitely way too early to be saying these things. I mean, we were running tier lists from yeah. players like yeah. 11 and 0 before the game even dropped, so I don't know if it's too... Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, you know, in, in my experience, um, you always think, oh, this character's terrible. But um, I think, you know, when Smash 4 actually first came out, everybody was saying, Diddy is a terrible character. He's low tier. And we saw what happened there. So, you know, I'm always interested in what people are saying because it's fun to speculate. But, you know, I'm just keeping my mind open. But I did start to feel a little bit vindicated when I checked the, um, the Twitter pages of um, two very talented Smash 4 players, um, Darkshad and Locus. And they've also been having some doubts about Ryu and Ken particularly. So would you recommend Smash Ultimate? Is it everything that people thought it would be? Uh, does it live up to the hype? Uh, yes, it's definitely... like There's 74 characters in the game, more on the way, so I feel like there's... There's a playstyle for everybody. There's a you know your favorite gaming icon. He's probably in there or she. If yeah, maybe you like Princess Peach, but <laughs> she's been since my life. Um, mm -hmm. And the game's just fun. It's it's fun for casuals. It's fun for the hardcore audience. 
there's a few exceptions right now, but it feels like there's less dumb stuff. But it's early, so maybe we haven't discovered the dumb stuff yet. Except oh, and it's always on the way. <laughs> Every fighting game ever, yeah. I think there's always been dumb stuff to find, and I'm sure that this will be no exception. Yeah, but I, I think everybody's just a little bit exhausted from Smash 4's dumb stuff. So now we're we get to experience and discover some new dumb stuff. <laughs> well thank you very much justin um i'm gonna go play it at friends houses i haven't myself purchased it yet it's just too much for me right now uh but it sounds like it is well worth it it sounds like people are having a lot of fun and i'm really looking forward to seeing not only what the competitive scene ends up doing with this and how exciting it is as a spectator sport but if nintendo really digs in and invests in the esports side of things i think that the uh the sky is the limit for this title yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, uh, I mean, I don't want to downplay like other fighting game achievements, but this feels like it's the biggest fighting game ever in terms of. It seems like they listen to, you know, like fan feedback on it, or not even like feedback, but just like if there's something about the Smash games that players didn't like, it seems like they almost addressed it and they included every single character ever from the Super Smash Bros. series, which, you know, it would actually be cool to see other fighting game developers. Maybe someday, I know this extremely, it's extremely ambitious to go this route, but imagine if Street Fighter, we got everyone is here tagline. You know? That's ridiculous. I can't even imagine that. It's, it's overload. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Justin, for coming on, and uh, I'll let you get back to playing Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Thanks for having me. This was uh, fun to do. Absolutely. Also, we have an extra copy of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate that we're giving away to one lucky podcast listener. If you'd like to enter to win it, just leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher this week. More details can be found in the Event Hums article for this podcast episode. Round 2! Alright, welcome back to the Event Hubs podcast. Very unaffectionately known as the pod in some circles where oh, people no. get very, very angry at me for using an abbreviation that is very common in the space. But yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand that, but... Anyway, uh, this is our pre-Capcom Cup podcast, and we're very much looking forward to getting into that. But first, I wanted to talk about uh, what I'm going to be experiencing at the Capcom Cup this year, and that would be running into a Grandmaster-ranked Abigail player in my first match. Uh, I hadn't even looked at it, and then the uh, Event Hub staff like jumped in and said, Hey, John, Catalyst, uh, this guy talking here, I, I didn't introduce myself properly, I guess. Um uh, and with me, is, of course, is John of Velociraptor Guerrero. Okay, if you can uh, say hi there, John. What's up, team? Yeah, there we go. And uh, anyway, so Grandmaster ranked Abigail player. Um, I am, uh, my hate for Abigail is very well known. He is by far my most hated character. And uh, Damon Anderson, the guy at Capcom, uh, it just, I, I think he did the bracket. And if he listens to the podcast and he set that matchup like opening round, the troll factor there is just off the chain. Like I have to give him props. I'm like, you know what? I didn't see that one coming. I didn't even look at the matchups and like the, the team just let me know today. They're like, hey, you realize you're playing this guy. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, really? You're so- prepared? for it how often do you run into <laughs> grandmaster because you you play i know that you've been doing your grind back up to right. diamond but you're back in that rank now right and how oh no times? i i haven't played in a week i haven't been able to play in an entire week mm. <laughs> so but yeah, how many I, times I, have you have you faced off against the grandmaster ranked abigail uh grandmaster never oh. uh i actually i think I've, i might have ran across this guy like once in like ranked and stuff but almost never do you uh, know his name off the top of your head yeah tasty blue Hmm, that sounds somewhat familiar, but I don't know how yeah. often I would uh, run into him. 
Yeah, I, I think I played him once. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but um, but yeah, I, I'm not Grandmaster ranked even at my best. I got up to Super Diamond, and I'm still uh, on my PC account that I started that I haven't played in a week. I'm, mm. I'm actually just, um, uh, what is that, Super Super platinum there you go yeah something like that and um and so it just everything's kind of been going crazy on the event hub staff uh in terms of like our staff is doing great but i should say on the site we've had a lot of server issues we've had you know the launch of smash ultimate all that kind of stuff so it's been almost like no playing time whatsoever but i flat out have to say damon anderson if you listen to the pod and you set that up dude I have to tip my hat to you because that is a great move. And you trolled me to like the highest degree. And that's awesome, dude. And I'm probably going to go out to in the tournament, but that's all right. Uh, I, I, that's, that's a pretty damn good setup there. Well, on behalf of the rest of the event hubs team, we also thank you, Damon, because uh, in our, in our water cooler chat, if you were to just pick a random topic uh, and you were to pick John and Steven talk about Abigail versus Minot, you would be right nine times out of 10. So th- this is discussed so often in the uh, behind-the-scenes <laughs> venues and such. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward. But I'm, I'm hoping that you win it. I'm hoping that you, oh, yeah, me you too. can. Because then, but see, here's the thing. If that happens, then Steven, no doubt, will be saying, yeah, see, it's an easy match for Minot. You could be a grandmaster at Capcom Cup. And, and so. Yeah, and if I lose, like, I still win, right? So no matter what, it's a it's a win situation. I either advance and win, or I lose and say, hey, look, you know, the matchup's bad. It's a, My option selects are very well covered, so. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but I I'm, I really am looking forward to it. Like, it's going to be really fun to go out there and play. I'm, I'm there to, I'm mostly there to have fun. Uh, I, I don't take the game, like, seriously at a pro level. I, I play it seriously, like, to compete, but I, I'm, I'm nowhere near, like, you know, what, what the top end players are and I can never really hope to be that because I have uh, too much other stuff to do but I'm very much going to enjoy myself out there so now you are actually playing PR PR Balrog in your opening match like how do you feel about that a Balrog player you know Balrog Nikali have a bit of a history here how do you feel about this well uh, Eduardo and I have met a handful of times throughout uh, he so he was obviously a like top eight at Evo competitor for a lot of the last ten years, especially in Street Fighter Four, and he's still a great and very smart player, but hasn't had that same kind of success in Street Fighter Five. And then of course I haven't seen the same amount of success, I haven't been traveling as much either that I did in four to five. But we've run into each other like two or three times in tournaments, both online and offline, um, and uh, it's been interesting. He actually I think plays Akuma full time now, which mm, okay. is. I mean, that's not a ton better, but I do think that Balrog is a pretty hard match for Nikali, and mm-hmm. Akuma is more like a 5-5 kind of a thing with maybe a slight advantage to Akuma just because he has so many damn tools. But that'll be interesting. Samurai is also in my pool, although on the other side of the bracket. Uh, I got Eduardo first round, and I, I can't remember who, but there's there's one or two other strong players that are notable names. In fact, though, if you look at the Capcom Cup last chance qualifier bracket, uh, I'm not sure, is it like 256, something along those lines? It's mm-hmm. like 200 of those players are very noticeable or notable names. Yeah, yeah. These I, are I, people that are, are there to win. And uh, I think it was the, it's Dogara, who is the highest ranked global points leaderboard player that isn't in Capcom Cup. So that's probably one of your strongest competitors. Um, mm-hmm. But but like everyone else is someone like Samurai, someone like PR Rog, Alex Myers. Um, there and and it's not just anybody because I think it was like a twenty or fifty dollar charge to get into the last chance qualifier. So thirty, that's yeah. thirty. Okay, so that's gonna weed out a lot of people that are just like, well, I'll enter if it's free or if it's you know ten bucks. But that's a pretty hefty price tag. So you're gonna see a lot of strong competition 
from the get-go, from the the preliminaries that is the last chance qual- uh, qualifier, and then right into Capcom Cup the next day. It's going to be an action-packed weekend. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really again. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's. I don't so much care how I do. I'm. I'm there to have fun and enjoy the experience, and, and you know, do coverage for the website. Uh, but if I do manage to win, I've actually got an Armika player next, uh, Mojo, who's a very good Armika oh player. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's you look through the brackets and they're very stacked. So I just happened to participate in the only tournament this year that's very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so moving right along, we have a free-to-play Street Fighter V coming out right now um, for Capcom Cup where you can jump on there, you get a free trial of it, and with that, Capcom has debuted some ad properties that, that have kind of gotten people in a little bit of a tizzy because that's what the, the fighting game community likes to do. They like to get in tizzies, which yeah. is not a word you get to use all that all that often, but I'm kind of happy <laughs> to use it. But anyway, um, but I, I actually wanted to discuss this with you. Like, I personally feel... This is kind of like the the wave of the future coming in, where yes, where Capcom, you know, it, we had the free to play games like like Dead or Alive Five had a free to play mode, Tekken Revolution, um, those did okay. Uh, I think that I don't think neither uh, either company was like very upset with like how those performed, but I don't, you know, they didn't set the world on fire or anything like that. But I personally look at this and see more business opportunities, more cash, and more growth on the table for the fighting game community. If it's done right, and I mean, the fact that Ryu's got, you know, Capcom Pro Tour logos on his gloves and Akuma does his Raging Demon and you see the CPT logo instead of his, you know, um, the 10 logo on the back of his, you know, uh, his back. Um, like that to me is like, that's nothing. And it's like, okay, well, that's fun. Like I, I can get into that. But but how do you feel? What was your initial reaction? So I think that this is a very good indicator that Capcom has their finger on the pulse of where they need to be here in late 2018. I'm not sure how much we'll actually see out of Street Fighter V. I think this is more guinea pig testing grounds than anything else for this kind of content so that when the next generation Street Fighter comes out, Street Fighter VI for all intents and purposes, that they will be ready to attack this whole model from every angle and be as efficient and fruitful as possible. So what I mean by that is that when you look at the... like This is very much a test period. Because it's it's just Capcom stuff. They're not actually even advertising. Like I'm sure that eventually we'll get to like having Pepsi logos or you know whichever companies are actually going to put in sponsorship deals with these guys. But it's very smart. It's 2018. The way that we view the world, the way that we consume information, has changed very much. And they're realizing that one, this game is starting to get onto uh, like cable television and with with uh, TBS and ESPN2, and that esports are blowing up. And while of course we have. You know, you have to say that this isn't as big as other genres, that it is significant and that it's going to continue to grow most likely and you want to get your foot in the door now. And we are seeing them, I guess, act like the big boys mm-hmm. and conduct themselves like the big guys are doing and and be ready for this. And I think that the, the other thing that we've talked about a, a handful of times on the podcast before, conspicuous consumption and the ability to uh, uh, customize your character with details like gloves and headbands and, and articles of clothing and whatnot that we see in uh, something like in Injustice and what it looks like to be in Mortal Kombat 11. But uh, the, with the way that they're doing these logos, you can see that they can manipulate just little parts of the clothing. And um, and I think that, man, they, they're capable of doing it. And, and so I would really hope that they would continue and make customizable parts of the characters that don't affect the actual gameplay in any way. Uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's another part of just transitioning to be what video games tend to be at least at the highest level here in the in the modern era 
And and so yeah, I think it's a very good look for Capcom that they're doing this and that they're 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 just getting started. They're gonna iron out the kinks now. And, and and I'm also very glad because, like you said, people can really get into a tizzy about this kind of stuff because, hey, the internet loves to complain. And yeah. the idea of, oh, now you're just trying to make money off of ads and something, something corporate, it, it doesn't actually hinder your experience at all. And you don't have to do it. But it's just during the times that you're already going to be waiting between matches that little promos will pop up for 10 seconds or so and and then otherwise it's ads added to the the clothing of characters so it's non-invasive at all yeah i mean we're we're very biased here on event hubs because we're pretty ad friendly i think if you look at our website (laughs) like oh yeah 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 these guys definitely have ads up there Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so i i personally it doesn't bother me in the slightest i think that you know generally if it interferes with the gameplay or starts causing major issues that's where people will have complaints but you can turn it off right now um all the all the the t's are crossed i's are dotted as far as i can see it's if you don't want it up there you don't have to have it um you get fight money you know if you have it enabled it's not a lot of fight money but it's still something and it's kind of a testing ground here as you say it's only capcom stuff right now so what happens when we have Red Bull up there? Uh, do you get like 100 fight money, you know, if you, you enable all this stuff and get Red Bull all over your body or whatever? Um, it's interesting. It's, 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 to me, it's a very new and innovative uh, thing that they're putting out there. And I honestly think that other people in the fighting game community are going to follow suit eventually, you know, with a Tekken 8 or, you know, Dragon Ball Fighters 2 or whatever we see um, on the horizon. I, I think you're going to start seeing other companies take off and do this as well. Uh, much like we saw with the Capcom Pro Tour, where uh, Capcom pioneered that, um, and and basically everyone else now, if your if your game is pretty much anything, you've got a Pro Tour of some sort assembled for it, and and people are going off, and I think it's yet again another way of Capcom innovating in this Dude, space. How sick would it be if Hakan were in the game and he had two Red Bull cans instead of oil bottles, and he just <laughs> dumped Red Bull all over himself? And I guess you could already do that with someone like Birdie. Anytime he's drinking uh, his drink, his energy drink, you could turn that into a Coke can, a Red Bull can, whatever, and that would be very clever. One thing I will say is that the people that may get into a tizzy about this, which I'm going to use that word as much as possible, mm. uh, like they can say that, well, how, how far do we go before this starts affecting the integrity of the game, before before characters start to become designed? Like, well, we have to have Hakan in because we can make Red Bull cans for Hakan, and that'll be really smart, and it starts to become based around the advertisements as opposed to just having a, a game with integrity that's based around the gameplay. And and I'm, I'm not saying that that's anywhere near where we're going. That's something that people might bring up. Uh, it just that's the idea that that you know money influences too much, and then maybe this might be an avenue where that comes to a fruition that we can see and is dangerous and bad. But it's John, you're asking when this is going to happen and when it's going to compromise the game. I would say about 2014, about four <laughs> years ago. Well, and that's uh, the thing. Any yeah. kind of medium like this where people know that eyes are going to be on it is going to be monetized in one way or another. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that might mean that your YouTube video starts up 15 seconds at most later or that you have to wait five seconds and then click skip ad or that, you know, you're going to have commercials and television. But it's a small price to pay. It's, it's, it's a price to pay that we've really figured out it's it's all right to mm-hmm. to watch advertisements and this is no different than anything like that yes 
You're gonna have to wait an extra 15 seconds sometimes. Yes, you're gonna have to look at Coke symbol uh, and, and things along those lines, but it's very much worth how big it can grow and it's a give and take and I think it's a necessary part of things. If it were to jump into the realm of actually influencing the, the, the quality of the game, well, that's a short-term gain for the advertisers and that would be that would that would be terrible for the fighting game community if that ever happened. But uh, I mean, there's no indication that that's going to happen. It's just yeah, a possibility. So I would say it's already happening. Uh, I already think that the quality of the game is impacted with a number of the t- decisions they make. But there's good quality output, and then there's bad quality output that's happening from the decisions that are being made. Um, you could make a very good case that Street Fighter V is too volatile, and a lot of the reason that they did that was to make the game more excitable, uh, more exciting, I should say, for spectators. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a very good case to be made there. And I think there you can find a good balance point of okay, here's all this new, you know, updates we're doing to the game, um, new money that we're you know we're breathing into the, the 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 esports scene, all this kind of stuff that that comes with that. But there are the trade-offs that come in there where Laura is piecing you out in like 10 seconds uh, because they made her V-trigger way damn too strong. And and it's this stuff is not balancing these games is not easy, but it's also not rocket science either. No one went and looked at, I mean, who was it? Was it Bonchan or someone who called the, the person who made Balrog the R word? Bonchan, yeah. Yeah. And and, and I, oh my goodness, man. I mean, look. It's not hard to solicit those players' opinions, nor is it very hard at Capcom to have some base idea of how this stuff works and say, hey, you might be going too far here. And again, you know, patch it out, change it. Like, they have some clue of what they're doing, especially when you look down the entire list. And unless you play Fong or Ryu, your V-Trigger is really strong. You know, and, and yeah. So my, my big thing is that if you're going going to go down this route, have the quality assurance stuff in place there. It doesn't go too far. Yes. Where, you know, as you say, like Hakan comes out and he, got, he dumps 50 Red Bulls on him, which, damn it, that would be really awesome if he did. Like, I, I couldn't like he hate get all that. sticky instead. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Like, he, he, he like, slows him down, which actually would, would fit Hakan. Like, it gets even lower tier when he oils up, right? <laughs> anyway, um, you, you've got to find that balance point in there. It exists as long as you have a good person up at the top kind of running things. And again, I will shout this guy out. Um, I've, as I, I think I've got the shrine to him in my, my little office area over here. And that's, um, uh, Ryozo, uh, Sujimoto, um, one of the, the heads of Capcom. Uh, he owns a bunch of stock in the company. He's the son of the CEO. Uh, I mean, he's uh, Monster Hunter is mainly what he's known for. I think we're seeing a lot of these changes in quality and approach with him at the helm. I think he fundamentally understands the stuff, and we will see what happens here when we, you know, see another you know Capcom fighting game. But I, I feel pretty good about where Street Fighter V has been headed over about the last like six months, eight months, somewhere around there. I think it's entering a pretty good spot. Yes, I since we've begun to see the more recent changes that that whomever is up at the top is sending down and it looks like that's the guy uh it's it's been very encouraging for me and and because we're we're talking about we're talking about um input lag like after two and a half years of people complaining about it suddenly that's dealt with the way that the uh the the characters were presented and a laundry list of things that street fighter 5 has leveled up or capcom has leveled up in their presentation and execution of street fighter 5 um, it's very encouraging, and it's like this was the time where that needed to happen. If fighting mm-hmm. games, or at least if Street Fighter, I should say, is going to have a chance at moving forward, because after the the bomb of Cap of uh, Marvel Infinite, and after the launch of Street Fighter Five, and it, it's like 
people have options now and fighting yeah. games like we've talked about are not the easiest to jump into you better level up and you better start doing the things that the other guys are doing that people are expecting at least to a certain degree to stay within you know within sight of them and and i think that that's exactly what they're doing now i actually got to see um sujimoto at the game awards for winning something along the lines of i don't remember the specific category it was for monster hunter but mm-hmm. he got up there and won and and um, you could just tell his like his presence, like he knew what was up, and and just seeing him both with the the combination of viewing there and then the actions that he's apparently made to make Street Fighter Five better in the last like year or so, I have a lot of confidence. It's I, I watched a couple interviews with him as soon as we you know ran that story several months back about Ono no longer being the head of Division Two, um, and just listening to the man talk in interviews and. It's not only his intelligence, but his sense of humor and his understanding of why gamers play these games. And it's like, this guy is sharp. He's very sharp. He's very with it. He's, again, I, I look at him as a rock star in this industry, and I'm very happy Capcom has him. And he's not going anywhere, um, to my understanding of it, because, again, he's the son of the, the CEO. It's like... A lot of companies, uh, they keep the families in there if they can. Uh, I'm hoping he never gets hired away by like Microsoft or whatever. So, hmm. um, anyway, uh, but yeah, it's it, it again. I really encourage anyone to just kind of listen to this guy speak for a short period of time. You will get a very good impression of him very shortly. Um, smart dude. So. But uh, I'll circle back around and just say that with the ad stuff we're seeing kind of blow up here in Street Fighter V that that a lot of people are, are again, it's a lot of memes and all that. Whenever we can, you know, make something humorous, like, we should do that. That's it's a great part about the fighting community. But you are seeing backlash here of, like, why is there ads and all this kind of stuff? And, again, I'll go back to the Capcom Pro Tour. Same stuff we saw then. People are like, esports, like, we hate esports. Like, we're, not, we're the fighting game community. We're not esports. And now it's like... I, I don't even know if anyone really tries to, to differentiate those two things very much anymore. Like, we've completely embraced it. Um, the haters have gotten left behind. Um, it, it, we're, we're in a pretty good spot, I think, with, with where the fighting game community is at. We're, we're bigger than we've ever been. We've got a great, you know, Capcom Cup event coming up here at the end of the year. Uh, just a week, I should say. Uh, I think we're in a pretty good spot. And I, I kind of see this as the same thing, like another evolution of that. Yeah, it's silly and and unnuanced to to take an idea and say that idea as a whole is completely and utterly something we should avoid and it's bad and there's nothing good to to benefit most of the time. Sure, Mm -hmm. there are certain ideas and examples that you could give that's like, yeah, we shouldn't touch that with a 39 and a half foot pole ever. But it's with... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm -hmm. 39 and a half foot pole? It's from from, uh, the Grinch. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah. you, you just you totally threw me off there. Okay, you're, you're totally <laughs> I, uncultured. It's December. There was a I new know, Grinch movie know, that came I out. I'm sorry. Oh. I, I, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Also, I'm just sorry. Uh, the the Jim Carrey Grinch movie is way better than you remember it. It's it's okay. a great movie. You should go back right. and watch everybody. Um, right. Anyways, watch yeah. <laughs> the idea I was getting at is that it's I think it's it's very silly most of the time to to just write off an idea from the get-go, like the idea of esports, or like you're saying with people talking about these ads and and having that like corporate influence and, and such in the games. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there could be issue if it goes too far. Of course, that's true with anything. It's like saying that, oh, well, fire can burn your house down, so we shouldn't have it anywhere in the house at all. It's like, well, yeah, but it can also help heat your food and make things a million times easier and more efficient and, and protect you and, and a whole bunch of other things. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, mm-hmm. Give it a chance. Uh, you know, Have some tact in your approach or trust the people that are at the helm to have some tact. But 
guys, don't just write something off as soon as it pops up. Investigate it. Give it some due diligence. Give it give it some time and then make memes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you cannot forget about the memes. We love those. So, And we have to post them on the site. Mm-hmm. Very important. Uh, but anyway, speaking of, you mentioned the Game Awards here. Uh, Sonic Fox won Esports Player of the Year. Uh, we actually voted for him. Uh, he were, we definitely uh, uh, we had our ballot here that the Game Awards sent us, and, and we got that in. And also, um, Dragon Ball Fighters won Fighting Game of the Year. We voted for that, too. Uh, we'll, we'll just pull the curtain back here and, and say what we voted for. But um, you had some thoughts here about Sonic Fox. Like uh, You thought the, the speech he gave was a little bit, uh, shall we say, interesting. Yeah, me and everybody else. I don't think it was... So it was interesting. First of all, the guy's young. Um, I don't know how often he's been on this kind of a stage where he's accepting an award as opposed to playing a fighting game. Um, And hey, if you've been in the fighting game community at all, you know we have some eccentric characters and people from all different walks of life. Tall, short, fat, skinny, black, white, every every color, every orientation, every preference, every everything and and every combination under the uh, under the rainbow. Um, but so if, for those of you that didn't see, first off, congratulations to Sonic Fox because he was up not against other fighting game players, although Tokido was in the, the running as well, mm-hmm. yes, um, but it was. it was CSGO players. It was MOBA players. It was the entire world of esports. And you think of fighting games as like the little tiny brother that really isn't there. Like sometimes you'll let him come in, um, you know, to the group a little bit, but, but these other, you know, Counter-Strike go and and um, the MOBAs and and Fortnite are so much bigger in so many different ways, but yet we still had a fighting game player take this particular category down, and I think that's a really good look for the the FGC. It reminds everyone that we're still around, and I think it advances us too. It's like people have to acknowledge that, unless of course you're Simple, who I believe is a Counter-Strike GO player, is world-class, very good, but he had some kind of a tweet uh, afterwards that was basically like, congrats, but like, fighting games are not team games they team games are way harder or something to that mm-hmm. effect it was just minimizing which is like dude you are all it really <sighs> said in capital letters with with a very uh, intriguing font was i'm a big fat sore loser <laughs> that's what that tweet said <laughs> um but anyways uh, so sonic fox goes up there and he's in his furry costume and uh, he accepts the award and, and it, it did go on for a little bit longer people in the chat we're, we're definitely over it um, by the time it all finished. But he kind of politicized it a little bit and said, uh, I'm a gay black furry. And he kept saying, like, I'm, I'm gay as hell. And uh, and so yeah, you know, he took a shot of, at Republicans. too. And then he said, I hate, <laughs> yeah. I'm everything that Republicans, Republicans basically hate. hate. Yeah. And so when like, you say you politicized a little bit, maybe you meant a lot. But yeah, 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 yeah just directly. And and it's like it's not the worst thing in the world. And, and we'll forget about that for the most part. I think the bigger takeaway is that an FGC member won the uh, the, the Game Awards award for esports player of the year but it wasn't the most graceful acceptance speech and it i'm sure it turned off a handful i mean it turned off anyone that identifies as a republican potentially uh and and but you get it though again it's everything that floats around politically is very polarizing these days and this guy is is like what like 20 21 years old i'm not even maybe not even that maybe he's like only 18 still sonic Um, fox is is so unbelievably gifted with fighting games but not so socially gifted yet and and he'll learn how to um make a speech that's a little bit more nuanced i think and a little bit more probably reflective of of who he is like yeah all the stuff he said is true but probably in the way he said it it, maybe he didn't say it the right way you know uh, that's kind of how i looked at it Uh, i'm a big sonic fox fan Uh, i think uh just there's he has a photo up of of him 
And like a little kid asked to come up and hug him because, you know, his, of his furry costume. Mm-hmm. And he he put a photo up there and it was just like, I was like, oh, and then Let's like the kid he, wear it. Yeah. And, and and then like he donated to, I think, Rewind, whose dad is going through um, uh, cancer and like all that. It, it just he's got a good heart. Um, it's just, you know, socially, I don't think his speech was very good. Uh, and it's something he'll have to practice for next time because, I mean, he's going to be winning a lot with the skill set that he has. Uh, and that's kind of how I look at it is uh, I was that young once, too, and there's no way in hell I would have given a, a great speech at that age. Uh, yeah. it, it takes time. I don't even know if I give a great one now, right? Like, it, it's it's <laughs> it, it's hard. It, it's You got a lot of people looking at you. It takes practice and time. Um, yeah. I know that it, in my high school days, uh, you know, even just trying to figure out a quote for the yearbook, all of my approach to to the general public, for the majority of it, I should say, was a, a little bit anti-establishment, a little bit like what's going to not necessarily piss people off, but make them kind of uncomfortable in one way or another. And like, you know, let's make jokes that are inappropriate just to see how people react. I was very <laughs> much there. I almost didn't get hired on event hubs because of certain photos that were posted on Facebook or something like that. I don't remember the specifics. Uh, we, uh, that's a good reminder, actually, for everyone that is applying for work here in 2018, that every company that's worth Pretty much anything is going to be checking your Facebook page uh, or whatever you have on social media and looking very closely at it uh, and seeing what kind of views and other things that you have and how you how you put that out there. So, um, but yeah, we saw some stuff that was a little bit like, hmm, is that going to work out okay? But of course, we did hire you and we're very happy that we did. But College yeah. pictures of me being the beer pong champ. <laughs> <laughs> that worked in your favor, yes. Oh, good, <laughs> yes. So, uh, but anyways, yeah. So congratulations to Sonic Fox um, and, you know, Godspeed in your maturity process. Don't do it too much, but hey, do it a little bit. Yep. <laughs> it's, we were all there once and, and have fun with this. It's uh, Enjoy the ride. So, yeah. For sure. Um, sticking at the Game Awards, though, wow, uh, Ed Boon was there and he announced the winner for what was it? Uh, the best sports racing game. Yeah, uh, best like esports slash like driving slash racing slash sports game or something like it I was. Thought, it was yeah. so convoluted of a of a headline that I thought it was just a total joke the whole time. But he actually did give out that award, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Like I I, I thought thought it was a total troll as well because Boone. Oh man, that's a uh, I. I enjoy the trolls. Like I really do enjoy them. And Boone is one of the top ones about doing it. And, and man, he puts out some funny stuff, but well, yeah, um, we got the Mortal Kombat 11 trailer and right off the top, like people are like hated the music that was in there. Um, I actually think I'm the only one who liked it. <laughs> like, I liked the music. I thought it was cool. Like, it was different, and it I didn't expect that, but I, well, I got into it, but, and I'm the only one so far. Uh, yeah. It was, what's his name? 21, it's not Pilots, 21 something or other, a rapper, and, uh, you know, it wasn't... <laughs> It wasn't distracting to me. It was just kind of a, a hard, you know, rap song, which was, a, I mean, decently appropriate for Scorpion and Raiden having a fight. The game looks amazing. I'm sure that that's not like the actual gameplay graphics, but for a teaser and a presentation and all that you can garner from that and the fact that, hey, you're getting Mortal Kombat 11, celebrate. I actually think that the way people responded to the music is one that people kind of have to dig at it in some way or another and the fact that they attacked the music meant that they didn't have anything else to attack through and through with the rest of it which is a very good look for this initial presentation of Mortal Kombat 11 so I, I mean sure of course the internet's complaining about something but as far as how Mortal Kombat 11 looks you know with this first presentation amazing I'm very excited and 
uh, who knows how long it'll be until the game actually drops, but uh, I'm, I'm considering maybe jumping on and trying to play this one competitively um, in tandem with Street Fighter. So mm-hmm. uh, that's that's kind of what this has gotten me to. Like, that's how well done I think it was done. Yeah, and just to clarify here, the, the track is Immortal by 21 Savage. It's an original track they did for the game. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, you know, it's uh, but I get it. It doesn't 100% fit the vibe there. But um, one of the things I liked about the trailer was... Um, Everything we saw in the trailer is supposed to be basically a real move or something you can do in the game. Not 100% of it, but like most of the stuff you saw in there. So uh, we saw weapons, we saw a run mechanic, we saw the bone breaker techniques. Like, Well, uh, the, the run mm-hmm. mechanic, it's there's a good chance because that's been around in Mortal Kombat on and off for a long time. But the, the run was really Scorpion takes like two steps and then does a jump front kick. So that I'm not 100% sold on as like the here's the run mechanic like if they were to like charge for like six or seven steps and then go into something sure Mm -hmm. Um, but it was an MKX right and it does allow for a lot of uh, I mean that's a huge um, manipulator in how the gameplay is going to work out just in general Mm -hmm. so but but yeah there's like an air throw they pick they both had their own weapons and then Raiden also picks up a weapon from the stage so it looks like they'll probably have interactables similar to Injustice Scorpion gets smashed up against a wall so maybe it's it's you know the um, like the extreme ends I guess the corner will have perhaps interactables there or or you know if you maybe you get a reward for pushing someone all the way to the corner but um but yeah and there were two versions of Scorpion that we saw mm-hmm. one was um I get more modern, like fresh look, because the ninjas, always, I mean, all the characters always get like a little bit of an update. And then a more traditional looking scorpion pops up after, uh, well, spoilers if you haven't seen it, uh, pops up after Raiden kills him with a fatality. And, uh, and then he in turn kills Raiden himself. And then we see this, like, uh, this bald, <laughs> she, I think it's a she, and she kind of looks like Tilda Swinton from, from uh, 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 Doctor Strange. And we've got wind somewhere around that that um, this Mortal Kombat operates in multiple timelines, which has been a thing for at least like I think the last two Mortal Kombat's. Maybe maybe not so much X, but I think that we're gonna see versions of characters as we did with the two Scorpions. The Raiden that was fighting was the corrupt Raiden um, from from last time with the red electricity from from MKX, I believe. Um, so uh, that'll be interesting. Maybe that'll be variations. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it'll be like old scorpion, new scorpion, human scorpion, who knows. Uh, but uh, there's there's a lot to speculate about, but it's a lot of exciting speculation at this point. I think NRS has done a good job. One of, hey, this didn't leak, which is kind of weird oh, yeah. in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> that something well, like this doesn't leak. It leaked a bunch, and then we were all wrong about the date of when it leaked, right? Um, it, it's, we were, we called it, like, for E3, because that was their timeline, like, whenever they did their last, like, DLC pack, like, you know, the game would come at that E3, it didn't come then, and so it, it leaked, but it didn't, I guess, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how to equate that properly. Well, there were expectations yeah. of it, yeah, and, and I think go. that that helped Mortal Kombat, because, sure, like, of course people are talking about it, that, that takes away some of the credence to... Well, you know, for the for any leaks that come out, because people go, well, yeah, like we're we're expecting that, so maybe, but but that just could easily be like someone that's taking advantage of the situation where they know people are talking about it, so they say, yeah, well, hey, come look over here, I have leaks. So, um, John, yeah. are you are you accusing Event Hubs of doing that? Like, we would never do such a thing. We do it all the time. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say you sound pretty insecure about that right yeah. now. Um, but I will mention that uh, you talked about custom variations, and and something that I was speaking about with Adaptive Trigger is 
um, Injustice 2 had the gear system, which, you know, allowed you to customize your character to some extent. We're kind of wondering if custom variations will be something similar in that vein, and then something you don't really use in ranked play, because uh, the variations in Mortal Kombat X were not terribly well-balanced. A lot of them, like, you just had some kind of throwaway variations that almost no one used. And I wonder if that just becomes too much of a balancing nightmare for NRS, and if they'll kind of go away from that and just let that be a kind of a fun mode that you can play if you want to. Um, but for the most part, if you want to play serious, like, you know, there's a the, the core stack of your character that you don't mess with, and then the custom variations are the flavors you can add with. So. Could be, could be, like we saw in uh, Injustice 2. There are a lot of different ways, and NRS has always been extremely good about paying attention to casual player content through and through. The single-player mm -hmm. modes that they've experimented with over the years, and this is back, you know, over the last 20, 30 years I'm talking about, they've always been there to be... Um, uh, presenters of, of uh, you know, they're, they're very good on visuals. The idea of fatalities is just to, to grip you. It's not a, you know, a part of the gameplay per se. Um, and like I said, single player modes. NRS has become the, the standard for story mode. Um, I have a lot of faith that this will be a good Mortal Kombat. The only thing that I'm kind of worried about is how much they, they pay attention to the competitive side of things. And I really, I hope that they, they kind of get rid of the mechanics and the, the physics that the last two Mortal Kombat games have had and kind of Injustice as well. I know they're slightly different, but a lot of it's just like, you know, doing light punches and that juggles, you know, the, the character up in the air. Um, any move will. And, and it's just like, it's kind of a weird interaction. I would hope that they change things up a little bit and make it a little, I don't want them to make it Street Fighter, but I want them to make it a little more, I don't know, a different direction. Try something new. Makes sense. So Mortal Kombat 11 is actually right around the corner, relatively speaking here. We've got a release in late April on the 23rd. Uh, that's not too far away. And and then also we're going to have a big community event in January um, where they basically break down the game a lot more. So right here after Capcom Cup and Capcom does their, their Street Fighter V announcements, we're going to have another like plethora of announcements here from NRS. And um, I'll shout them out again. Their community team does such a great job of presenting new material. They do the combat cast. They get Tyler Lansdowne and other people out there that, that just really know their stuff about these games. And they, man, they do such a great job with presentation, like really the gold standard of, of how you present a game to your community and get it out there in front of them. And, and great stuff. Like, I, I'm really looking forward to it. NRS games are always that perfect, like, like here's a great single player package. Here's uh, good stuff for the competitive scene. Like every time that they've been releasing games in recent, recent times, it's been, it's breathed new life into the NRS community and it's always been good. And man, I hope I don't jinx them here. Um, but I mean, when you, when your last four or five games have all been like, you know, very solid, very good experiences, like, you know, that's great. That, that's really great to see. Um, you're not seeing the, the gigantic complaints about like just botching a launch or whatever. Um, you know, they, they've had their issues like with net code and different things, but for the most part the the fans seem to really appreciate what they offer out there yeah absolutely so another thing we wanted to talk about here was uh samurai showdown apparently getting a mature rating already and for those who are not familiar with it it's if you didn't play the old games they're not mortal Kombat level um, but these games are actually fairly violent in their own way um, a lot of the violence happens on screen initially and then it kind of pans away from the characters before it gets too intense like so you'll see like a character get like you know maybe cut in half or like you know you know sever an artery or something like that and blood will fly out and then it will like before it gets like it can really kind of set in like the camera kind of like goes away from it and like you know focuses on the wind pose and all that so uh in its own way what you don't see ends up actually being pretty brutal like it, it could you know because your mind like you know 
your mind will kind of fill in the blanks there a little bit. Um, like for example, you could cut someone in half and like, uh, this is kind of a funny thing here, but you could cut someone in half and like coins would come out, like giving you extra, like, you know, score points, uh, like brutal Mario style and whatnot. Um, but yeah, they, you could cut people in half, cut off arms, like do other things. Um, the game got fairly violent. So I understand why it got a mature rating here. I would hope that a game that has, you know, so much to do with samurai swords against flesh would be that realistic. And, uh, I, I think it's a good call. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't played a, too much of the uh, the series before this, but I think that that will be another way of grabbing people's attention. And um, and you know we've seen so much success with Mortal Kombat and their gore and, and such. Which also uh, through a, a little bit of a leak from GameStop Italian or the Italian GameStop site, they say that things are going to be even gorier. There's like an, a a gore system or something or other (laughs) in place so get ready for that Uh, but um but yeah as far as sam show goes good for them i think that that's the right direction to go as long as it's still tastefully done and it's it's done as a as a visual artistic presentation which from the trailers that we've seen thus far that's been what they've been doing um i think it'll be a like i said an artistic presentation and i think it'll be good all right, nice. So I wanted to get into Capcom Cup stuff now, but before yes. we before we get into our predictions and who we think are you know it's going to be the overall winner, um, some social media blowups happened, and I, I wondered if you wanted to to you know kind of fill in the blanks there for our listeners. I I think that this isn't really worth talking about too much. I will bring it up for the just to say that it's dumb and it's very unprofessional, um, and I and I don't have all the dirty details, so I'll just give you my general recap. Essentially, there's a there. The games start at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Check-in is at 8 a.m. Pacific time. So the players, the 32 uh, participants, need to be there at 8. And then they'll have two hours to warm up, and then things will actually get started at 10. I think it was um, the very young and immature Chris T leading the charge uh, on social media, saying that's just too damn early in the morning for, for this kind of thing to get started. And, and then there were a handful of people that apparently agreed with him. Now, again, I didn't look into it. It was, you know, it was Justin Wong said something and a handful of others and Fudo, although I, I, it might've just been, you know, lost in translation and that Fudo recognizes Chris T and Chris asks Fudo because his, um, his petitions on social media, whatever they might be, you know, of the week are always very front loaded. Um, and he might've said something to the effect of like, Hey Fudo, it sucks playing when you're tired, doesn't it? And Fudo just goes, yes. And then he's like, see Fudo's on my team. So I, I don't, I don't know <laughs> oh, about no. all of that. Oh, but no. the point is, it's like you guys, you're, you're playing, this is your job for a lot of this. It's your, you know, it's your professional job. You play the stupid thing when you play the stupid thing. And to complain about this, to complain to say that being there at 8am is too damn early. It's like, I got up at, at five 45 yesterday and it was my day off and that's not yeah. usual, but I, you know, get up around seven or so normally. And you know what? You can do that. Now, so many people wake up so much earlier, but Christy is a forever 21-year-old until until he proves otherwise, at least yeah. in my eyes. And and also, I, 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 I just want to jump in and say, if you're complaining about waking up at 8 o'clock in the morning, you will not last on the Event Hub staff. <laughs> we oh, yeah. have to work crazy like hours. Four, right? so. Yeah, I, some of our, I mean, again, we, we really do try to be, you know, accommodating with our schedules. We're not like 
randomly throwing people around. But I, at my old job, I used to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to go in and I, I never complained about it once. I was just like, that's what it is. So you got to go do it. But dude, yeah. we're, we're doing the, in my day, we used to walk uphill <laughs> in the snow. God, <laughs> my gosh, we're doing it. But you know what? Grow up. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, it's not really worth talking about beyond that. It's, it's unprofessional and we need to not be that way. Yeah. Um, and then I, I've gone in on Christy a hundred times before I did it just now. I will also say that he will get it. He yep. will figure it out. He's he's a smart person. Mm-hmm. He's good at fighting games. He's a problem solver. Um, and, and he's not a bad guy by any means. I yes. call him my friend for sure. But yep. man, if he doesn't conduct himself on social media with some questionable, immature, not thought through approaches sometimes. And you know what? As your friend, I'm going to blow you up for it. So yeah. here we go. Yeah, I've heard Mike Z is actually the same way, the creator of Skullgirls. Um, on social media, he is really rough to deal with. And then uh, I've heard from people who've met him in person, like, actually, he's really nice in person. It's weird. Um, you kind of expect him to have fangs and, you know, bite you whenever you ask him a question or whatever. They're like, no, he's nice. And and so I don't know what happens when he gets behind a keyboard that, that you know, that the screws come loose or what whatever goes on. But uh yeah, to, to get back into it, I will say that uh, having players come in at 8 a.m. and then matches start at 10 a.m., right? Two hours later. That's a little bit big. Yeah, I would do an hour. But but I think there's a reason why, and I think that's media obligations. They want to get the players in there, do interviews, do things so that they have um, stuff for production times and all that. Uh, and I get it. Uh, this is part of esports. It's, it's part of growing bigger. And, well, the players are like, well, I want to you know get my rest and be able to focus on my game and all that. And, and that is 100% valid of an excuse excuse but our reason i should say guess what you're also playing for you know what a quarter of a million dollars or something around there uh that does not happen unless you're doing media obligations and other things like that uh the nba nfl you don't have to look far to see that players are obligated to do media relations and outreach and all that kind of stuff it is a part of this factor um you have players flying over from japan a lot of them they have to deal with jet lag. They have to deal with a, a bunch of other things. I'm only having to drive like 10 hours to get there. <laughs> like that's nothing compared to the, the plane ride from Japan. Um, just you deal with it. You know, you be professional about it. Um, realize that that blowing people up on social media is not a great way. Go talk to some of the Capcom USA staff behind the scenes. Say, hey, this is my concern. This is my problem. Like, what can we do about this? Um, and they hopefully will listen to you. But if you if you blow people up, like their first reaction is generally not going to be like, oh, well, how can I help you with that? My goodness. I, I can't believe I was such a jerk. Wow. You know, it's uh, don't do that. You know, try to try to try to take stuff offline as much as you can and talk to people there about it. It it helps the process. In, tr- in past years, like when Efren and Donka were doing the interviews uh, for, you know, the players doing a lot of that media stuff, they were doing it the day or two before. Mm-hmm. You know, Capcom puts these guys up. Uh, I don't I don't know the specifics, but I imagine like I know that Luffy's already there. There's a handful of people that are already in Vegas practicing, getting, you know, getting over that jet lag so that they can be prepared for this. And they would do the all that media stuff the day or two beforehand. And um, and the other thing is, I, I think Capcom Cup is three out of five the entire way through. So you got to get started fairly early. Yes, you do. So, yeah. you know, I mean, out of all the things that people have complained about in the past, it's like, yeah, well, maybe we're doing it early so that we can get make sure to avoid all of those things on this very, very big stage. 
But again, people people get tizzied or whatever <laughs> the phrase was <laughs> about man the music in Mortal Kombat and the time the start time being too early, being too late. How and, dare and, you call your podcast a pod, you assholes! Yes, I just yes. can't believe it. You guys are the worst people alive. And yeah, so anyway, uh, we'll go ahead and get into our predictions here. And why don't you go ahead and kick us off? I'm I'm curious who you have for your first matchup and who you think is going to win, so I can blow you up for it. Okay, so are we just gonna go down the list here of uh, of the bracket and 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 just vote on our like, yeah, like starting with Tokido Angry Bird because yeah, that's the I first mean, one that pops up. That's what I got too. I I'm I'm looking right at your story. Uh, you did all the work for me, and now I'm gonna take the credit for it. But go for yes. it. Yes, and we can even share what the uh, the people thought because there's a, a there's a live post right now. You can go and you can vote on the first round matches. We have them all laid out for you and tell us who you think's gonna win each one, and then uh, also who you think's gonna take the whole thing down. And that's gonna end early on Friday though. So if you want to vote, please go now. Uh, but the very first one, Tokido versus Angry Bird. I'll Obviously, Tokido is probably the guy to beat. There are some other big names there, uh, but it's Tokido. And so just from a from a number standpoint, it's very hard to vote against the best player in the world right now, or at least the guy that everyone's arguing very well could be. Angry Bird, I mean, this this just goes at a, as a base thing for everyone there. Hey, these people qualified for Capcom Cup. They're amazing. They're, they're the best in the world right now. Angry Bird has potential. Uh, he plays Zeku, yep. and so you might wonder, well, how much Zeku experience does Tokido have? But you know what? I bet you Tokido will find a Zeku that's <laughs> that's strong and be practicing against him. Um, I gotta think I, that Tokido's. I will yeah. just say that that Tokido has not had a lot of time to practice because of when the brackets came out. Now he might have thought he was playing against another Akuma player um, and, and crossover initially, and and so. He's probably tracked down a Zeku. I mean, he has those resources in front of him, but he hasn't had a lot of time to prepare for this exactly. So sure, sure. Um, so I, I w- none of these would be very surprising if the person I don't vote for wins. But I'm gonna go ahead and say Tokido for this one. Yeah, I've got him as well. It's I, I this guy's been way too damn good, and he could lose in the first round. We've seen it before at Capcom Cup. Uh, Punk lost to, to Nemo first round when he was a number one seed. Uh, it does happen, but I just well, Tokido lost yeah. first round in 2016, as did Infiltration, and both yeah. players went 0 and 2. And I know he doesn't like uh, people talking about this when he's up on stage playing. Unfortunately, I probably wouldn't either. But Justin Wong has went 0 and 2 at a number of Capcom Cups as well. Uh, this is a really hard tournament to do anything at, and if you win even a couple matchups, you're you're doing really, really well. So, absolutely. And then, uh, as far as the poll stands right now, ninety-two point five percent of the voters have chosen Tokido. So, Angry Bird, you've got seven point five percent in your corner, thinking that you might pull it out. But you know what? This is a huge opportunity for Angry Bird to really put his name on the map and jump up yet another echelon or two if he takes out Tokido in round one. And you know what? Like, your if if he does that too, he takes Tokido's seed basically. Right, mm-hmm. and then plays through the rest of the bracket on the path that Tokido would have played on, which is probably, you know, as the number one seed, relatively easy. Um, it's not easy at all because it's Capcom Cup, but relatively easier than than other other routes might be. Yeah, the next up we have uh, Big Bird and Gachikun, uh, which are two generally Rashid players. Big Bird plays a, a handful of other people. That's the matchup I'm going to be going to the bathroom for for about 10 minutes <laughs> i don't you i see two rashids oh doing god down I, forward fierce punch over and over character man oh he's so bad uh i i've i've got big bird in this one um i think mm-hmm. big bird has been playing very well uh but it's also a match where i'm just like oh boy i don't even want to watch that one uh sorry but i I've, rashid is really bad to watch 
Yeah, I agree. Um, Big Bird, very capable here. Gachikun, I think, is a little more established. He's, you know, uh, recently sponsored by Red Bull. Uh, he he got in by winning the Asia Regional Qualifiers, which uh, I still think that that's probably the most competitive region uh, these days for, for Street Fighter V. And so, as good as Big Bird is, I think that I still have to give the edge to Gachikun. Okay. Um, is that what you were going with as well? No, I have Big Bird. I have Big you Bird. You have Big Bird. I have Big Bird. I, I, I like the way he's been playing in recent times. Watching some of the European tournaments, um, I think he's just got enough of an edge. And I don't see Gachikun coming in particularly hot right now where, where I feel like his play is going to match his results. Um, I think Big Bird's coming, coming in with a little bit more momentum. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's a Rashid Mir, Lord knows, right? But But yeah. Yeah. Well, Big Bird also has Ken, but I would be kind of surprised to see that mm-hmm. that pick. Yeah. Um, and then on our polls, 63.1% vote for Gachikun, 36.9% for Big Bird. Takes us to our third first round bout. This is interesting. We've got Oil King versus Momochi. The, the recently unsponsored Momochi. So he's floating around as a free agent right now. I got to say that Momochi is one of those players that has the potential to rise up to becoming the best Street Fighter insert number here player at any time. But he's been kind of asleep for a while. He had a really strong performance in in 2014, winning Capcom Cup, but that was for Street Fighter 4. He also won Evo, I think, the year after in 2015, again, for Street Fighter 4. And he's been a presence for sure, but a little bit of character crisis. He's tried Ken, he's tried Cody, and he's usually on Colleen these days. Mm -hmm. And she's a very strong character, but a little different. And... Momochi has has proven time and time again that he is still a a great professional player, but he hasn't had all of the results. And I looked at E League to kind of highlight this. Um, the way E League was was played out, it was a round robin event, and then the second part of it was a a top eight bracket. But if the better you did in the round robin, the further in the bracket you were placed. So Momochi just barely gets out of the round robin. I don't think he won much of anything, but so he was seated very poorly and he that meant that he had to play on the loser side and he had to play the most possible games as compared to anybody else in order to qualify out um, into the uh, third um, the third phase of e-league and he wound up so doing really bad the first one he played through the entire second part made it out in the loser's bracket um, and then didn't win after he he proceeded in the third but he had that glimpse of of just amazing god tier Momochi for a minute. And if that pops up, and, and if he's having a good day at um, Capcom Cup, then hey, Momochi could take the whole damn thing. But history, recent history says that he's just, it's just not clicking it with him for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've got Oil King in this matchup. Uh, again, I like his momentum in here, but as you say, Momochi is very streaky as a player. He always kind of seems that way where he has these moments where you just feel like he can kind of conquer anything. And then you see him again and you're like, yeah, he's really good, but he's not like that great right now for some reason. He he seems to have really rapid fall-offs um, from, from what you would normally expect. So I, I've got Oil King here uh, as much as it pains me to take a Rashid player. Yes. I'll go with the, the guy with the short shorts. Uh, it's very cool that he's made that his thing. And um, yeah. Yeah, Oil King, on the other hand, is doing everything right right now. He's winning. He's uh, presenting himself in a very uh, marketable manner. Like you said, the first thing you think is that slicked back hair and the, the short shorts. 
and um, he's a very very um, notable player in the moment and I think that that all goes into his momentum and and I give my vote also to Oil King. As did the Event Hub's community, they gave him a 62.6% chance over Momochi's 37.4. And then moving on, this is uh, these are two guys that we've been seeing in top eights left and right, although not necessarily against each other all that much. But Knuckle Dew, the 2016 champion, and, and he didn't participate last year because of uh, he just personal issues and he withdrew, versus Itabashi Zangief. Uh, I, I guess we should call him Itagail, right? Or Itabashi Abigail because he's playing Abigail these days. Both very capable players. But how do you feel about this? I've got Knuckle Dew here um, because I like how Guile does against Abigail as a whole. Um, a lot of people feel that that matchup generally fa- uh, favors Guile pretty well. He can generally keep out Abigail. He's got good, um, not armor-breaking moves, but moves that blow up a lot of armor. Uh, most of the, the frustration I hear from Abigail players comes from this matchup, but... Again, Itazan is a very patient Abigail. He he really approaches you uh, and takes his time, and then he kills you. Uh, he's his grappler skills are that's what he does. That's generally how you've had to play get, uh, grapplers in most other fighting games. Um, so that's kind of what I see. I don't have Knuckle do like you know leaps and bounds ahead of Itazan. Um, I I can see this match going either way, but I give like Knuckle do like you know I'm six out of ten chance of advancing here. Uh, I like him just a bit more. Yeah, the matchup is, like you said, very much, I think, in Guile's favor. Now, I don't think Abigail has terrible matchups in the sense that if he gets in on anybody, mm-hmm. it, it, he can kill you. It doesn't matter who you are, what character you are, um, but some are better at keeping him out, and he's got the life to spend to get in and such, but it's still an uphill battle, and eh, it's the traditional zoner versus grappler you know, standoff. It's also Knuckledew's Guile. Uh, he's mm-hmm. one of the best you know, players, generally speaking, in the world, and one of the best Guiles as well. And so it, uh, it's it's so hard for Itabashi. Again, not surprised if he if he doesn't if he wins it, but I got to give my vote to Knuckledew, who also has seventy three point three percent of the Event Hub's vote, twenty six point seven going to Itabashi. Um, but Edazan was in top eight last year, and he did that with Zangief, and um, and everybody, of course, is very much hoping that he and Nemo will meet up and and do or or not do a handshake at some point during the event. <laughs> um, moving along, we have this is interesting. We have Chris T of uh, Twitter fame going up against Fudo. Now, not more than a month ago, these guys were both team side games, but mm-hmm. Chris T of Twitter fame, uh, had some kind of a disagreement. There's some kind of contractual problem, and he actually goes uh, Sayonara to Sai Games, which is interesting because it's Daigo's team. It's amazing that, you know, Chris T's path, he's he's risen up to, to where he's at. He's on Daigo's team, and then for, and I, we don't know the specifics, but for whatever reason, he goes, nah, I think I'll, uh, I think I'll peace out, and he, he leaves Daigo. <laughs> so, man, that's pretty rock star if you've ever seen one. But these two former teammates will be going at it in the first round, probably be Armika versus Ken, although Chris does have an Akuma that he's sitting on, so... How do you feel like this will go? So this is a really interesting set of circumstances where where our readers right now have Fudo at 86.8%, which is one of the most lopsided votes that we have in our poll. But Chris Tatarian Chris is very much like Momochi where he's streaky. And you get him on a hot streak and he'll wipe out like players that you're like, okay, he's going up against like Tokido or Daigo or whomever. And you're like, there's 
on most days you go, yeah, he's going to lose. But on this day, he's playing really well, and he's going to rock those guys like like a, like a hurricane. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> he, took out, he took out both Momochi and Bonchan at SCR Top 8. Yes, and that is, that's Tatarian's calling card, is he gets going, and, man, he's hard to stop. Like, he he just, he runs through you. Uh, why Ken is such a good fit for him. Ken is, again, a very streaky character, where he puts you on your back foot, and, and if you are not completely mentally with it you're done um but he's also going up against one of the most consistent players uh in in probably street fighter 5 and fudo in terms of just like okay yeah this guy like is pretty much always placing uh it's rare for him to kind of drop out of the the, the top half of of the results um and with a character like mika who's very you know very much a um a wonky character in terms of of how you play her, but he plays her so fundamentally solid. So very contrasting styles here, actually, that we're going into with it. Um, but again, I've got Fudo here. Just again, I but I give Tatarian that that puncher's chance, as they say. So I would normally go with Christy, but man, this is the first round, and it's going to be so early in the morning that I don't think that he's going to be playing at his full potential because these <laughs> players really need to start at noon or later in order to, you know, really bring it all to the table. And so I'm going to have to go with Fudo. Are you going to run up to Tatarian with like a giant like Starbucks coffee and be like, "Here you go, bro," you know? Or <laughs> I want to. I hope he shows up in a onesie and a sleeping cap. Oh, that would be great. A Ken onesie. Oh, I do man. I do have a Street Fighter 4 Snuggie. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> you guys remember Snuggies? Don't don't remember Snuggies. All right, next match. A Kami Mirror for the ages. Xiao Hai, CJ Truth. Let's set the stage for this one. Xiao Hai, already a very established fighting game player through and through, plays about 8 million different games and is amazing at all of them. Kind of goes away from Street Fighter V to, you know, for doing whatever other ventures. Maybe just wasn't placing. But then shows up to events like CEO and kind of matter-of-fact cannon, cannon spikes his way into top eight, mm -hmm. into grand finals. Because one, Kami is a very strong character. No one's surprised at that. But Xiao Hai, a very, very learned player um, and can very much get the job done. Now, CJ Truth. He was very good in Street Fighter 4, has been okay in Street Fighter 5, but at the North American Regional Finals shows that he has been in the hyperbolic time chamber and that he has been grinding this game like crazy. And he goes and, um, no, he doesn't win it. Punk wins it in Grand Finals, but because Punk was already qualified, CJ Truth gets the spot, and, and out of nowhere, CJ clinches Capcom Cup berth just right at the end before we, uh, before we got these final numbers. I gotta say that the... Okay, so CJ has momentum. Xiao mm -hmm. Hai is probably... The, he's, he's the better player for longer time. Now, if the, if the CJ Truth that showed up um, at, at the uh, the finals is the CJ Truth that shows up here. He was winning not with goofy, crazy stuff, but with some very, very respectable, fundamental play that's going to work no matter who you're playing against, no matter what character you're playing against. It's going to be consistently good, and he has the tools that Cammy has. So, like, and I'm talking about, like, little minute adjustments. I remember Mike um, on Best of Five did a, a telecast breakdown of what CJ Truth was doing in one of his matches. I think it was against IDOM. Mm -hmm. And the little kind of minute changes that he was making in order to get whiffs to come out so that he could whiff punish them to, to position himself. It's like the guy is playing on a very professional level. How that will look when he goes up against 
Shao Hai's Cami in the mirror, it remains to be seen, and I still have to give them um, the, the, the benefit, or, or I think Shao Hai is probably more likely, but I'm actually going to go um, out on a limb here and go with CJ Truth, something like says that this is the time where, where new blood has shown itself time and time again in Capcom Cup surprises, and I think this is going to be one of those upsets that happens early on. Interesting. I... Jahai, as you say, is a, the stronger of the players uh, overall, but CJ Truth comes in with the momentum. Jahai is just, to me, damn, is he ever inconsistent. And it's it's almost not a shock for me at this point to see, like, oh, he, he placed, like, you know, uh, out of the, the top, like, you know, 32, basically. Um, or he just he can be way, first or 101st. Yeah, I, I just, man, I, I, I you don't know what you're going to get with the guy. Um I do have him here, but I, I, it's a pretty split vote on our site, relatively speaking. Um, 68 to 31%, uh, 31% is, is CJ. Um, I've got Zhao Hai here, but it's that's an honor. It's a, uh, what is it, a, a grandfathered vote here based on his history as a player and what he's kind of done um, in the past. Uh, but if, if it was the last like couple months of play, I would take CJ all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, considering that I th- like, so say this was a Vegas bet, the odds would be in Shaohai's favor, but I would be comfortable taking CJ and saying that I, I might make a bunch of money on this mm-hmm. just because he could do it. And yeah. the odds are still in the other guy's favor. So one of those very interesting matchups. And again, Cami, Cami, I'm excited to see what happens there, despite the fact that we're seeing Cami, Cami. Uh, but next we have Sako versus Nemo. Do you want to introduce this one? Yeah, um, my man crush is going up on on stage with Sako, yes. <laughs> and uh, I've loved Sako pretty much since the, the Street Fighter Four era. Um, and I, it's pretty much impossible for me to vote against him, so I definitely voted for him here. He's also coming in as as possibly the best Street Fighter Five player right now. Uh, I know Tokido has got the the better record, more points, and all that, but there is a case to be made that Sako might be the number one player in Street Fighter V at this moment in time. Um, Nemo's not coming in very hot. Uh, he's, again, uh, a very... When Nemo controls a matchup, and and you see some of the stuff he does, like that, the headbutt into like Aegis Reflector and all that, he sometimes looks like the best player alive. And then you see him get pieced out, and you're like, is this guy that good? Like, how how did I overrate this guy so much? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand like how he could just like drop off so well. And it it oftentimes comes down to me when Nemo can make you play his game, when he can get you in those those shaky scenarios where you're kind of not sure what to do. He excels so well. Like he wants to. He wants to get you off your game and, and get you out of control, and that's where Sacco is is uh, Sacco, I should say, is very excelling at. Like, if he can control the matchup, you're done, and, and you're just not going to be able to blow him up because his combos and his situations are just so damn good. So, yeah, I've got Sacco here, but it's again a, a contrast of two styles where where one player is all about control, and the other one's about making you lose control and get blown up by what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Nemo didn't show up to much at all in 2017, save for the last chance qualifier. And I think then Red Bull Kumite, which is not a CPT event, he won Red Bull Kumite and then uh, won the last chance qualifier, got um, basically the worst seed you could get. He had to play against Punk, who was the number one seed uh, last year, beat him, went all the way to the top eight. And I forget exactly where he placed. I think he was like fourth, maybe. Um, but, but Nemo's the kind of player that can show up and go from not in Capcom Cup at all to fourth place, mm-hmm. and like that—that's it's amazing amount of grinding. But and and no one was too surprised at that. He's still very very um, 
amazing display of, of skill. But yes, he's been cold since then, more or less. And he's also been experimenting with G, and we're getting mixed reviews about G. He's got very obvious, amazing offense, which is something that Nemo is going to be able to use so much, but then very poor defense. Um, I also heard from Ultra David that uh, G may be Minot's worst matchup. I've heard that Although as well, th- yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, he can rush in so quickly, although that's negative. But what is she going to do? Like, what's her punish? Maybe a jab into EX? You, the biggest thing about it is, um, yeah, and, and she can do that. Uh, that's her That's her main punish for a lot of characters, unfortunately. And uh, the big thing that, that swings a match in G's favor, in my opinion, I don't think it's her worst match because I think that anyone that can pressure her and she can't get them off of her is a, a worse match, like Bison and so forth. But... Um, Basically, what happens is G can outzone Monat, and when you have a character that that takes away your number one strength and does it better than you do, that can cause some problems for you. So, I think a, a player like Justin Wong, especially against G, gets destroyed. But you take a player like Sako, who plays much more offensively and really wants to get in your face. Um, I think that he can adjust a lot better to that matchup and do a lot better. Um, and then Monat, actually, like most characters in the game, has good rushdown once she gets going. Um, so I don't personally look up that matchup. I've played it a good amount. Dream King plays G quite a bit. Um, i played Nephew a few times. I don't look at that matchup as insurmountable. Uh, we'll see. Maybe it's evolved to that point. Uh, but that's how I see it so far yeah so Nemo a very capable player but just with this recent streak and then Sako of course a very capable player and Sako usually takes Sako's the last one on the bus a lot of times he takes his time he figures things out but once he does oh my gosh he's coming with new combos and new approaches and new insights to the game and to the characters that he plays that no one's done before and and he's like you know he gives everybody a good you know year or so to do it a lot of times so I do also vote Sako as do as do the event hubs people the readers um, 73.7% in favor of Sako, 26.3% to Nemo. If Nemo's going to win this, it's going to be a total blowout. He's going to come in hot. He's going to destroy. It's going to be like four, maybe five rounds, and that's it. Otherwise, I think it's it's Sako's, you know, it's Sako's game in all other scenarios. Haitani versus Bonchan. Interessante, if I do say so myself. <laughs> Uh, do you want to introduce these two? Yeah, so Bonchan uh, mainly plays Karen and Nash, although... Everyone on the planet wants to see him play Sagat, uh, and he's talked about playing the character a lot. We've discussed this here on the pod. Uh, then we have uh, Haitani, um, Fudo Haitani, which is a group name. Like, yeah, uh, bear with me. I'll just say Haitani. Um, yeah. Anyway, he plays Akuma now, used to be an Akali player. Uh, he comes in at a, actually a very good clip right now. Uh, his momentum is very good. Uh, a lot of people were kind of curious about the switch away from the character. I think he called him one of the infamously um, called He's Nikali. A deserter. Yeah, a boring character uh, and, and switched over to Akuma, who's definitely not boring. Um and his results have been actually very darn good. Uh, Akuma's, of all things, it's kind of crazy to say, I think Akuma's a bit underrated in this game. Uh, we talk so much about, you know, Kami, Minot, Abigail, and a bunch of other characters. Uh, somehow, Akuma, who's potentially the best character in the game, has flown beneath the radar for a lot of people. Uh, and, and you're seeing him, you know, just win so much and control so much. Uh, Haitani really comes in hot here. Um Bonchan is going to have to have labbed this matchup, and he's pretty good about that to really win, if you ask me. Uh, I've actually got Haitani going in here uh, and winning, even though the Event Hub's readers disagree with that. Um, they, we've got Bonchan at almost 70%, and they've got Haitani at 30 um, I just I, I like what Haitani is doing in the game right now. Uh, I think he's winning a lot more. I think Bonchan is in a 
character fan crisis. And what I mean by that is he wants to play Sagat. Everyone wants him to play Sagat, yet he's kind of refusing to do it and then saying he's going to. I don't think his head is in a good spot. And Bonchan is a player who specializes in control. And if his head is not in a good spot, I don't like where he's at as a player. And and when you you when your whole game plan is controlling the other player and, and you're not there, I don't know what you're going to do. Uh, I actually have Bonchant written down, even though, again, one of my favorite players as going 0-2 in this tournament. I do not like where he's going to be at. Um, I, I hope I'm wrong, but yeah. Interesting. I've seen uh, Haitani as he was an amazing, amazing Nikali player. Now, Nikali was a much more amazing character back when this was happening, especially in season one. And uh, and I don't, I, I see why you go over to Akuma if you're him. A lot of people did. Very few people stayed with Nikali. And, and uh, but I, while well, he's been solid, he's been decent. But with Haitani's abilities that we've seen him uh, exhibit with Nikali and then like Makoto beforehand. Um, he's one of the five gods, is he not? The five Japanese gods? I think he is. And I just, I haven't seen that same spark with him from Akuma. Now, it, on paper, it should be. It's like someone as good as Haitani and, and a character as good as Akuma, you should see a lot more success. And I don't think, I've seen, he, I mean, he's qualified for Capcom Cup. I, I think he's he's like, you know, he's in ship shape but i don't think that he's as good as he could be and i don't think that akuma is the best fit for him uh, as weird as that might seem bonchan is in something of a character crisis he promised to play uh or he said he was going to play bon- um sagat at red bull kumite and then kind of backed out of it and then didn't at all i think karen's a very good character um and and i think that will i think that bonchan said he's going to play sagat in capcom cup as well <laughs> And I don't think that he end up will. Uh, I, I think yeah. Sagat's right there. He's almost a great character. He's almost a good character, but needs something to get over that hump. When he does, I think it's going to be a big jump. Like the, to give him a little bit's going to going to boost the character a lot. And I'm ex- I'm interested to see what happens with him in season four. He might become a, a full time secondary character for me if if he gets what he needs. But um, I I still I still like Bonchan here. Mm-hmm. I think that everything that you said is pretty valid. But I think that he, even with a little bit of a character crisis, I think he still has the tools to get it done. And and compared to the Haitani that I've seen in years past, the Haitani that I know right now is is definitely cooled off. So I'm going to give it to Bonchan. Makes sense. Next one up here is the most lopsided and, and is understandable first round match in the uh, in our entire list here. It's Fujimura. Who is a a player that people he's he's a good pick to win it all. His abuki is amazing. He has been certain days of the year he's the best Street Fighter Five player and untouchable and like by a lot by a full head and shoulders. Like get out of here, Tokido, you're trash. When Fujimura is on, Um, he has he has put his stamp on the character and on the game unlike anyone else has. But it's not every day. He can only get that adrenaline tap going for short spans and then sometimes not at all. So, um, and, and that also, we've, we've said that about a handful of, of players thus far for Street Fighter V. It might be part of just what the game is and how volatile it can be. His opponent, someone that very few people have heard of at this point at, on, on this level, it's Picoro or Picoro. And Picoro actually qualified after Crossover, unfortunately, was not able to make it. 
and um, this is from the Latin American Finals crossover, was ultimately the player that was uh, qualified, but then after having visa issues, had to um, back down from playing in the tournament. It was very sad. And uh, and then Picaro will be taking his place, uh, an M. Bison player. Now, it's not to say that Picaro isn't a, a very strong player, but most people haven't seen anything from him yet. Mm-hmm. So if, I mean, it's it's silly to, it's almost silly to ask people what they think here because Everyone knows Fujimura, very few know Picaro. Now, could Picaro come out and make this his, put his own stamp on everything by beating Fujimura first round of Capcom Cup? Yes, of course. And then we'll have something to, to kind of measure with. But at this point, you have to go with like the all-star versus the guy that is relatively unknown. Yeah, uh, Fujimura's got 96% of the vote and then uh, Picaro's got almost four. Um, it's... Uh, yeah. As, yeah. What are we what are we going to do unless you've watched a lot of Latin America, you know, tournaments and stuff, which I don't think many people in the community have. Uh, you don't have much of an idea of what this guy is. Um, and he's going up against what some people feel is one of the top players to win this uh, tournament. And uh, yeah, GG's. It's I've got Fujimura, too. Uh, he trains at an eSports house. He's he's good. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so good luck to to Picaro. Like this is your chance, yep. but <laughs> no one's gonna be no one's gonna be upset with you if you don't you know pull it. Let's go for a round, and if you can get a round, maybe you can get a game, and if you can get a game, maybe you can get a set. But but you know, yeah, if you make it competitive, uh, dude, you you put yourself on the map right then and there. You know, uh, it, it's you don't even have to win. Uh, that's that's how you know that's how much you can that that's a big of a stage of Capcom Cup, where if you put on a good show for people and they will just take notice of you, um, it, it's it's nice. It's a good part about fighting games is sometimes you don't even have to win to win. You know, uh, you can just put yourself on the map just by doing very well and representing. And, and uh, I think everyone will want to see you represent. Like, hey, you're the underdog. Everyone loves an underdog tale. You know, go out there and make a good show, you know, and, and try your best. And I think people will be very, very happy. He's got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Last year at Capcom Cup, uh, I think it was day one, I was playing against Kaba, who was relatively unknown at the time. Guile player, he beat me more than I beat him. I don't remember what the spread was. Mena RD came forward after winning Capcom Cup and said, This is my friend Kaba. He is not just a very loud cheerleader. He is also, I think, the strongest Guile player in the world. Now that's to that that's Mena talking. Um, and that's over, of course, Knuckledew and Daigo. Now, this year, Kaba's actually coming in much stronger than his counterpart, Mena RD, who, who's qualified through just winning last year, but hasn't had the most amazing year, competitively speaking. And now, you know, you've seen Birdie get nerfed a little bit, which were very, very, um, I, I forget which two, I think it was his sweep and um, I forget the other component of, of the character that was nerfed, but those are very important parts to Mena's specific approach and style. And then you also have the reduction of input lag, which isn't helping Birdie as he tries to do things like the dolphin dive and get people looking. Um, so hasn't had the strongest year, but is still coming in as the reigning champion. Kaba, on the other hand, has been in the top 10 of the uh, the global leaderboards boards at time. Um, he has been a very strong up-and-coming new player that a lot of people have a lot of faith in. He is playing Shen first round. What do you think is going to happen here? I have got Sien uh, going up against Kaba, but Kaba's coming in hot. And, and he has put himself on the map this year as one of the top players now in the fighting game community in Street Fighter V. Um, he's not just known for his yelling. He is known for being very, very strong. And my goodness, it, this is close to a split vote on our website. Um, 
and it should be. Uh, I've got CN because I, I just I like him a little bit more here in this matchup. I've seen a little bit more from him. Uh, his history again, uh, um, uh, grandfathered in with my my vote here a little bit, uh, which is not a bad way of approaching voting on this stuff. You know, a lot of times uh, the the players that have a history do end up repeating that history in terms of, of their wins. But I would in no way, shape, or form be shocked to see Kaba win this matchup against CN. I think all of Shin's um, momentum right here is a grandfathered kind of thing because I haven't seen him win much of anything. I was always, I was almost kind of surprised to see that he was qualified. It's like he's been collecting points from maybe just getting into top eight of a, at a lot of tournaments apparently, but he hasn't been, to my knowledge, winning almost anything. Um, he now he like put Ibuki on the map at the early parts of season two with um, in, in final round he just blew us all away and it's been a long time it's been almost two years since that happened um, I think we're due for another Shen let's blow us all away but you know f- like we just said Fujimura is the premier can- uh, premier Ibuki player right now um, Shen is a, an evil champion Street Fighter Four with a with a lower tier character and again he can absolutely do this he also shouted out our podcast so i have to go with shen but uh <laughs> i do think this is one of the hardest ones to call i think the momentum is in kaba's favor i would like to see shen and since it's so far down the middle i'm gonna vote for him but again uh, if kaba wins it's like yeah I'm not surprised by by any stretch of the imagination nl storm kubo cammy versus abigail who do you like and why I've got Abigail in this matchup because dive kick characters and characters who who have to get in your face against grapplers do not usually have the best of times. And even though Cammy is very, very good in this game, I think a lot of her strengths play into the hands of what Storm Kubo or Abigail can do. Um, and man, you know, her lower health, all that kind of stuff. Like I can see her getting pieced out very quickly. I also think NL's dropped off a lot from the early part of the year. Uh, he's traveled a lot less. We've seen him a lot less at tournaments. Um, you know, he's one of the premier camis, but Storm Kubo has kind of kept up on the circuit. And in the history of Street Fighter, when you kind of decide to go underground and not travel a lot and not play as much, your resulting results are, are typically not that great. And and I've, I've kind of wondered with NL, like, okay, like, did he kind of peak early, so to speak? And, and now we're kind of coming around. And I think Storm Kubo has been doing very well. Um, he's got that fairly broken Abigail tech that he can result uh, uh, pull out, I should say, where he hits you with one hit of the wheel kick and then sets you up for an unblockable um there's a way to alter that setup so it works against characters with DPs like Cammy. Um, I think he's coming in pretty hot right now, and I, I have him advancing. Kubo was not quite a Capcom Cup tier player until recently. And then he absolutely was, and I think has solidified himself as such. I think he's leveled up a lot at the right time of the year to level up. And if he can continue with that momentum, I don't know what to expect from NL. I think he, like he kind of alluded to here, he got his points early in the season and then kind of pieced out. Will he... I, I don't know what to expect from him. I don't know what NL will show up. And so given given that Storm Kubo only needs to basically flick, or, or Abigail only needs to like flick Cammy once to take a round away from her, I'm going to say Storm Kubo. And this is actually, despite the you know what we'd said about the last match, this is actually the closest match on the Event Hub's poll. NL has the edge, but it's 51.2% to 48.8%. A very, very narrow margin. So um, I guess we're both voting Storm Kubo. Yes. The people think NL, but not by much. Yep. And it's actually by a total of nine votes mm-hmm. that he has wow. the advantage. <laughs> 
Here's a very interesting first round. Daigo versus Punk. What do you have to say about that? Uh, so I've got Punk here in this matchup. Again, uh, Street Fighter V is very momentum-based. I don't think people give it uh, enough understanding of that, that when you're coming in hot um, and you're, you've got great, you know, um, you've got the, the wind at your back, you know, all that kind of stuff that, that things are going your way. Um, that can very much carry you through. And, and the opposite is true as well. When it's the roller coaster ride that we've talked about this game so much, um, Punk is coming in pretty hot right now. And the fact that he's finally dropped Cammy and pretty much sticking with, you know, uh, Karen for the most part, uh, I think is going to bode well for him. Uh, this is, again, one of the closer matchups where I, I called it close to a 50-50. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if if Daigo beat Punk, but I also give Punk the edge by a, you know, a finger here. Um, about you know, 6 out of 10, uh, 60% odds of getting through. And that's unfortunately, uh, the, the reverse is true with our uh, readers. They've got uh, Daigo at almost 70% and they've got Punk down at 30. But how are you feeling about how things look? Well, um it's also Daigo with time to prepare against, you know, the uh, the first round match, which will be Punk. Daigo with time to prepare, as we've seen. Now, it's not quite as strong as Daigo with time, plus it's a first to ten long set. But, yes, Punk is amazing. Punk has had glimpses of his 2017 run. Yeah. Uh, but he, he has fallen off and been spotty and, and come up, come down, come up, come down. Daigo hasn't been the best player by any means, but he's been right there, and he's Daigo. And and you know, as as much as we talk about grandfathering other players, Daigo is the king of getting grandfathered with just his <laughs> reputation giving him the edge. So I'm gonna go with Daigo on this one. I I see a scenario where Punk wins it, but I see more scenarios where Daigo takes it. So. I think that given he's got time to prepare and that you we're not sure which Punk shows up, and I wouldn't be surprised if Punk does pull out Cammy because he's had a really hard time just completely getting rid of her for whatever reason. Um, I think that there are a lot more scenarios, like I said, where Daigo wins it. For the love of God, for everyone watching and for everyone that's going to, to look at the Capcom Cup results, please do not play Cammy Punk. Please do not play her. She's good against Guile. She can react to his sonic booms with EX Spiral. Okay. Again. It's like... Cammy is good against Guile, but Punk's Cammy is not good against anyone. It does not work. Don't do it. Just don't do it. And if you do decide to play Cammy, we'll just, you know, we'll see you in the loser's bracket and then eliminated from the tournament like five minutes later. It's cool. I'll still come up and say like, hey, you're like one of my favorite players, like all that, you know, but you're still going to lose very quickly. Please do not do <laughs> score, it. Score score an interview with Punk and told him I told you so. <laughs> if he, uh, if he hey, I uh, here's a, here's my you know little bit I did on the Event Hub's podcast about how bad your cami sucks. So the thing <laughs> is, is he knows this. Like all of his friends tell him it too. Like they're do- like, dude, your cami sucks. Like you are great. You can play every character in the game except for cami. Don't play her. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah. So last year, Capcom Cup. Um, little player, Mena RD, kind of squeaked in. I'm not sure what seed, but um, he was one of those players that people didn't really expect too much from. He destroyed all fantasy rackets, I think, maybe with the exception of Kabas and the DR crew, because Mena came, he showed up, and uh, he had a very close first game, and I think that was against Shen, but I, I'm not certain. I'm trying to look it up right here, kind of on the fly. Um, yeah, it was 3 2, it was very close. After that, he plowed through the competition. He had his breakout day 
um, where he leveled up in in an amazing way and it was the right day to do it because it was capcom cup 2017 he 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 gets into top eight winner's side and uh and then proceeds to ultimately win the whole thing beating tokido in the um in the bracket reset for grand finals he's the reigning champion he's going in uh like i said he hasn't had the best year his first round matchup is the evo reigning champion problem x who has he, who also made top eight in Capcom Cup last year, but since then, to say Problem X's name and to have a conversation has completely changed. Mm-hmm. It was this guy is an up and comer to this guy is one of the best, and the results it was like he was winning or doing really well in ranked events. He was getting top eight in premier events. Now he's winning Evo, and he's one of the guys that you absolutely have to watch out for. I'm sure just based on that alone, he's one of the players that. A lot of people have as um, poised to take the whole thing. He's destroyed Tokido the last couple of times that they've run into each other, and we've talked about that. The Evo champion and the Capcom Cup champion are playing each other first round. Who do you like? I've got Problem X here. Yeah, he's the third overall seed in the Capcom Pro Pro Tour standings. Um, He has two very good characters in Bison and Abigail. He can kind of pull out depending on whatever matchup he wants to face. Um, I've got Problem X here, even though I'm a huge fan of Mana RD. Um, That momentum, man. uh, I I think Problem X, as you say, has ascended to one of the best players on the planet right now. I think Mana RD has fallen off quite a bit. Um, I think that he's maybe gotten content with where he was at before uh, and winning. And, you know, that happens to a lot of players where uh, you just won, you know, a quarter of a million dollars. Like, that's a lot of money, you know, and and your life changes, your expectations change, and it's hard to keep that hunger going. Uh, I see Benjamin as as very much the player to maybe not beat like that's Tokido, but like as one of the top again top three to come in here and and kind of wreck you know some people just put them on their their put them on their butts and and i think that that he has two characters that are just very potent to to handle both situations or any situations he comes across yeah um meta rd there is something to say there that because he was immediately qualified maybe he hasn't been showing off everything maybe he hasn't been going at 100 percent, and then he he will come capcom cup i don't think that that's how this guy plays i really don't yeah um as far as being hungry uh, on, um, yes on that note i just will say that he he did say he was going to win evo you know this year he was boasting about that um and then he got ninth you know that's not bad especially with the travel issues he had but I don't see him but playing. Problem X did win. Evo. Exactly. I don't. I don't see him. I don't see him in RD playing possum too much here. I think that he's legitimately not as good as he was last year. Right now, um, I, I hope I'm wrong, uh, but I I don't see him coming in with enough uh, enough clout or enough. Ability. You think he's going to go zero and two? Is he one of your zero and twoers? No, no. Um, I I think he'll he'll get through a few people in losers bracket, but um, I I don't think he's going to get much further than that. So I see. Um, to what you were saying earlier about him being hungry or not being as hungry because he won the the prize pot last year, um, he also recently was unfortunately robbed. Mm-hmm. And so um, if, if that is indeed one of the things that motivates him um, to play better, well, he'll have that going into this because, um, like I say, I'm very sorry to him and his family or anybody that was affected by that. But, uh, I mean, if it works towards you, then I guess there's a little bit of a silver lining. Um, but but yeah, so it will be interesting. There's a lot of story here just because, like I say, it's the reigning two champs of the two biggest Street Fighter events um, of the year. 
So to see them go go at it first round. Uh, but yes, I, I do very much give the edge to Problem X just with where they are right now. And so do the voters. It's 86.6% in favor of Problem. Only 13.4% give Mena the, the win here. So um, moving right along, the last chance qualifier winner, which of course will be one of the two of us, taking on Phenom, Nikali player, although he does have a pocket guile. Uh, what do you think about this? I think it's hilarious that that Phenom, who's a very good player, has 37.2% people think like some unknown player that we have no idea who, who it is is going to beat him. It's like, ouch! It's like, really? I think that there's a bit, of, a bit of that. I thought about that when I was making this, and I go, do I put this match in there? Because that's a huge that's a huge opportunity to troll if you're on the internet. Like, right. oh, you know it would be funny if I'm just going to vote for the LCQ winner. <laughs> so I'm sure a significant portion of this is that. And, and the stronger the player against the last chance qualifier winner, the funnier the joke. Right. So Phenom's a pretty strong player. I think if it were Tokido, it would it might even be in favor of the LCQ just because it'd be funny and it's right. worth you know throw throw the pole to hell. Let's make a joke. Um, and so uh, and let me see here, just scrolling down to see where the LCQ LCQ winner is also eighth overall in who will win it <laughs> yeah. all. Yeah. So I mean you know take this with a bit of a grain of salt. But Phenom, a very strong player, um, I th- the best Nikali in the world. And, um, in, uh, you know, it's hard to call this one because the person that wins the LCQ is damn good. Yes. You think of that as like, well, they didn't qualify for Capcom Cup. Yeah, but they won the LCQ the day before Capcom Cup. You have to be hot to do that. Yep. Um, and last year it was Nemo and he made it to like fourth or fifth place. So it's not going to be easy by any means. And Phenom does not get to prepare for this. Mm-hmm especially so he does have some things going against him i still i still gotta vote for phenom and 62.7 percent of the event hubs readers also do that 37.3 going to the lcq winner yeah i got phenom there as well i'm not voting against that guy too good too good of a player too sharp so this next one might have been the hardest for me to vote on i do not know there, there are so many factors of basically it comes down to who what version of each of these players shows up on the day justin wong Minot versus Valoran Cami. Yeah, um, I've actually got Justin Wong ahead a good bit in this one. Uh, he's been really damn good. Uh, I think Minot fits him perfectly as a player. Um, I think Valoran is is falling off even more than NL has, and I. I don't know. I, I just uh, Justin Wong eats Cami's for breakfast basically, and I I don't think that. Again, it's Cami. Uh, he could get going and you know completely wipe out Monat. Monat does not have very good defense, but Justin is coming in very hot. Um, he did well last year. Uh, I think he's actually going to take this one. I'm glad that you have that much confidence. I also voted Justin, but it's really out of somewhat out of ignorance to to how Verloren is is going to perform because it's been so long since we've seen much from him. Mm-hmm. It's like I know he's good. He qualified for Capcom Cup. He did it early, and then just similar to NL, he kind of disappeared. So I don't know exactly what to expect, and it's hard for me to make a vote. Justin Wong is going to play this as he plays everything very conservatively and and just run away and zoning and frustrate. It's going to be, I want to get in your face Cami versus I want to stay as far away from possible Minot. It, it's like who I think it's going to go very heavily in one direction or another. I don't think this is going to be close. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I do give the vote to Justin, as do the people. 60.9% go to Justin Wong, 39.1% go to Verloren. Um, but if Verloren wins it, it's like, yeah, that, that could very well happen. Last of the first round matches Luffy versus Mago. Yeah, I've I'm taking Luffy here. Um, Mago is. 
Mago is maybe the biggest choker uh, that I know of for a top end player. Um, he consistently gets down to the end of, of rounds and matchups and he'll be up like 2-0, you know, with a round and like the opponent's down to 50% and he's got full resources and he'll somehow figure out a way to fumble it away. Um, he is one of the worst clutch performers I've seen in the history of Street Fighter. Uh, and, and as much hype as he's always had surrounding him, I just, I never like him on a big stage. I think he has really big time nerves, um, and I just I the odds of him crumbling, especially against a Mika player and someone who plays like Luffy, who will, you know, throw balls to the wall and say, hey, you know, you're going to guess and a few bad guesses and you're done. My goodness. Um, I've got Luffy all the way here. Uh, I think he's a, a, a good bit better of a player. Plus, I think he has a mental advantage going into it. Yeah, I, I all the things that you said, I also think um, Mago is one of the Japanese gods. He's. I was surprised that he was in Capcom Cup. I didn't expect him to be in Capcom Cup yep. this year. I, I didn't realize that he uh, he was like kind of on the bubble for a long time. His transition to Kami was rough at first. He's had a little more success, but as as much leveling up as he's done with Kami, I think Luffy's also been leveling up with Mika. Mm-hmm. And I don't think either of these guys are going to win the whole thing. But Luffy, like, I remember him at like 2014 Evo where he took the whole thing with Rose and tried to and, and, and very much surprised a lot of people. He's got the capability to really dig in and go far in mm-hmm. these kinds of settings. The high pressure, high intensity, like Luffy, like, you know, maybe like once every five big events, he just really goes in. And um, I think he has so much more potential on his side. I give it to Luffy, and 77.2% of the people do too. Only 22.8% think Mago's going to win it. Yep. Um, so that takes us to who do you think is going to win it all? Yeah, I've got Tokido here. Um, just so much momentum. Now, it's. How often, you know, do we do we have a player that's dominated the entire, you know, Street Fighter V season, relatively speaking, and then actually go in and win, you know, Capcom Cup that year? You know, oftentimes we've seen the player that that brings it on at the latter half of the year, like a few months before Capcom Cup. Um, they they you know they go in and they they win it all. Uh, that was Meta RD. That was Knuckle Dew. Um, what are we going to see? And so. On that fact alone, you could say Tokido's not going to win it. It's going to be someone else, maybe like Asako, who's coming in very hot right now. Uh, maybe like a punk. Um, those are kind well, of. You just said Sako might be the best player, and he plays Banan. Yeah. I feel like he's your pick. Yeah, I, I probably should be picking Sako. For some reason, I got Tokido in here. I don't know. Maybe I didn't think about this well Tokido enough. Tokido <laughs> is very much. No, no, no. I hear you. He's I, you the know safe what? bet. Uh, okay, on the Event Hub's website, there's an ability to cancel your vote and vote for someone else. So you're right. I'm going to actually cancel my vote and well, vote for no. Sako now. <laughs> so you can say I think it. that <laughs> this should be a multi a multi, uh, multi layered thing here. We could do who do you think will win and who do you want to win. I honestly, okay? now that you, you've convinced me, I, I honestly do think that. I convinced you yeah, of your own opinion. You, huh? you convinced me that <laughs> I was an idiot and I, you know, that's not too hard to do because I am an idiot, but I'm an idiot who now thinks that Sako is going to win this. So, Well then, uh, I think that the easy, the easy call is to say Tokido. I wouldn't be mad if he said Fujimura. I'd be only a little bit mad if he said Problem X, but those are the three big ones that I think should, that, you know, are, are, are safer bets. Um, who do I want to see it? Normally I would say Tokido, but he's been winning so much. I... This, this happens every time, every, every time this time of year. I want to see Daigo. I want to see the beast come back. I want to see him take it. I think that would be wonderful. Um, Daigo's won a bunch of Evos. He's good. He's had, like, he was the most dominant Street Fighter 4 player. But he hasn't won Street Fighter 5 yet, and I want to see him win Street Fighter 5. Okay, here's Uh, here's the thing about Daigo. 
and I don't have like you know sources behind the scenes like confirming this stuff or whatever. But uh, in the Street Fighter Four era, he was, I believe, by a good margin, the player who put in the most time into that game and really dedicated himself to that craft. Um, that is something I do have confirmation on, at least during certain periods of Street Fighter IV's lifespan, that Daigo was the number one time-invested player in the entire game. Um, since Street Fighter V has rolled around, and at the end of Street Fighter IV's life, Daigo got much more into business interest and sponsorships and other things like that. Um, and the time he's put in, I don't think is at the same level as other players is at. And look, like... These games are all skill and talent, right? You know, um, your your talent, like you can get ahead of the game. You can be like Zhao Hai and and go pick up like you know the Sailor Moon fighting game that you've never played before and win a tournament with it. That that's talent, right? But the skill part is not a a negligible negligible um, part of the equation here, especially when you're going up against the best players on the planet. I don't think Daigo is as invested as he used to be. And, and he went through this with Street Fighter 3 as well, where he had some moments in time where he played the game very seriously and then kind of didn't. And, I, I, man, what did he do? He worked at, like, a, um, a gaming parlor that uh, um, is escaping me right now and then finally came back to fighting games with Street Fighter 4. Um, but I just, I don't think he's investing the time and, and he's, you know, mostly doing business, which is great. We need that. We need the business investment. We need a figurehead like Daigo, who's the biggest esports fighting game player of all time, championing this stuff and still staying a very dominant and good player, but just not the best anymore, if you ask me. Sure. And then I think that you're spot on with all that. I still want to see Daigo win. Mm. Um, but I'm going to give my who do I think will win a little bit of a curveball because I never do this and I'm always wrong. So I'm going to try to do this and see if I'm right. I'm going to give it to Fujimura mm. because he's not my first. I think Tokido is probably the safest bet. I'm going to give it to Fujimura and, and bet that he'll show up like he does every once in a while as the head and shoulders over everybody else best fighting game player in the world all right so i i can hear you there let's actually let's do your top four here i'm curious who you have as your top four players these are going to be placements one two three and four so you got fujimura at number one uh who do you have at number two well then i guess i'd give it to dokido okay and um and i mean if we're doing safe bets it's like tokido and and problem x and then um Outside of that, maybe maybe Sako. All right. I think Sako is uh, pretty strong, and that's a. I, I mean, I guess you'd have to look at the brackets at that point to see what these paths are like, and if that's even a thing that could possibly happen. Um, uh, I should. I, well, what are your four first? Off? You know, it, it's funny because because Capcom Cup has rarely gone to to form. Uh, you always have a lot of upsets, a lot of surprises. Most yeah. people did not have Ricky Ortiz getting in second. Um, uh, the year she got in there, uh, it was it was a surprise for most people. Uh, Mena RD winning was a big surprise for most people. Um, so I've got Sako as my number one. Is just he's enough below the radar for for people. He's third in our poll that that I think he's got a good shot at winning it. I'm actually going to put Punk in there at number two. Um, I think he's coming in really hot and then uh, uh, Problem X at number three and then I'm actually going to put at number four Knuckle Dew again ah damn it I'm just such a big fan of Knuckle Dew um, <laughs> and uh, that's uh, again uh, it's it's hard to separate my fanboyism from my votes here but that would be my top four makes sense um, for the uh, the poll that we have Tokido has 32.8% and then Fujimura second with 13% Sako has 10.6 Daigo 8.5 Problem X, 7.7 for the top five. Yeah. Outside of that yeah. is Punk, Knuckle Dew, LCQ winner, Lil, uh, Kaba, and then Luffy. Just so you know, uh, Sako actually has 10.8% of the vote because I just changed my vote around like my before bad. you refresh. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> mm. 
Um, so yeah, that's our that's our pick, our, our predictions, our speculation on Capcom Cup 2018. No, no matter what happens, it's for sure going to be an exciting road. We're really looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. Which one of us do you think is going to win the last chance qualifier? Uh, you, because I'm getting pieced out by the Abigail player in the first round. Uh, so yeah, right, it's cool. <laughs> but I'm I am. But who's going to have more fun between the two of us? That's going to be me because I'm still going to enjoy myself, even if I lose to Abigail like 10-0. I'm still going to have a blast. So. Yeah. <laughs> understandable well um i think that uh, about wraps it up for me did you have anything else you wanted to say no no just i'm um, looking forward to to going to capcom cup and enjoying myself um it's a uh, it's a good chance to run into the fans uh of the you know the website and the pod um it's it's i enjoy going out there and meeting you guys you know so if you've got feedback and, and you know you want to tell us what we could do better or what you'd like to see please feel free to stop by um and, and you know just introduce yourselves and and you know we can talk for a little bit and, and catch up on what you guys think so Mm-hmm. And if you want the president of Event Hubs to sign your stick, uh, you come to me. It's five dollar fee, you payable to me, and then uh, I'll set you up with that. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have comments beyond that, so yeah. Deal. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you after Capcom Cup. Have fun watching. All right, you guys. Thank you for listening. <laughs>